Hello and welcome to Green Pass Gaming's Sunday podcast. I am your host, Flap. Uh, welcome to the show. And as ever, we have got some hot topics for tonight, an even hotter panel. Uh, it's been another week of oh, pretty good gaming news, actually, as, as we've mentioned before, to be an Xbox uh, podcaster, it, it's great times for us. We're, we're feasting on all of this uh, information that, that's piling in. So uh, absolutely fantastic to be part of the Xbox scene at this moment in time. But before we get into any of the uh, hot topics for tonight, let's well let's introduce the whole GPG crew. We're, we're here in our fullness. No guests tonight, so you've got unadulterated GPG crew tonight. Uh, I'm not going to go in order. I'm going to shake it up a little bit, actually, because um, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but um, we've changed things up slightly and we're actually using OBS uh, for the first time for our podcast. So I um, thought I'd give it a go. It gives you a lot more control. And it doesn't cost £25 a month, which is always a bonus, so um, I'm not StreamYard. So let's get straight into it. Um, Luke Steele, welcome to the show, sir. Are you still um, reveling in last night's victory uh, with the Rogue Company over Wandering Dutch's crew? Oh, of course. Yeah, that, that sustains me throughout <laughs> most of the weekend, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was a, lot, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's cool that, um, you know, I've played that game now because it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, and I will be keeping it installed, and I think I'll uh, I'll keep playing it because because it's, it's awesome and I recommend it. So yes, I'm very well, and uh, looking forward to as always to discussing some some really cool topics. Fantastic. Yes, um, I, I could have written quite a few topics for tonight. Um, I didn't, thankfully. I, I've, I've written down three, if not four, stroke five that we might be able to get through tonight. Chat. Um, we'd love you to participate. Um, with us tonight. In fact, we've already got some healthy chat going on as we speak, so very grateful for that. Um, but without any further ado, let's come to Puxley, my wingman. How are you, my friend? All good? Yes. Hello. Good evening. I'm doing very well, thanks. Uh, went out for a few walks today. Uh, nice. Not long got back, but now I'm ready to uh, talk games with you lovely lot. <laughs> well, we're still technically in lockdown in the UK until tomorrow, I believe. Um when some of the shops start opening up and things. Um, I don't know what it's like stateside. What's it like over in Jersey, Luke? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty much um, it's pretty much back to normal, actually. Apart from, really? uh, night, apart from nightclubs, you can pretty much do what you want now. So. Excellent. So I've Fun. been desperate for a haircut since July last year. So <laughs> this is my week. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a big week. Excellent. Well, you, um, you've got uh, dreadlocks now of your pucks. Uh, it's not far <laughs> off. Yeah, it's pretty long. I've not had it this long but ever in my life, so it, really? it's, I don't like wow. it. I can't wait to have it all sheared off. Excellent. Well, uh, hopefully tomorrow. Tomorrow you can go yeah, and do that. Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, and last and by no means least, Scott, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Flap. How are you doing, my friend? Yes, all good. All good. Um, like Luke was saying, Ooh. I really enjoyed last night's game. Um, yeah, it was good I, fun. I am so grateful to Dutch and his crew to, to introducing me, if not us, to this game because we had an absolute fantastic time. And uh, yeah, it does take me back to the old CSGO days of when we used to play that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. What have you been playing actually, Scott, this week? Have you been playing anything other than Rogue Company? A lot of Outriders for me, actually, okay. and a sprinkling of Octopath Traveler. I think that's wow. probably all, all I can call it. So, um, yeah, I've been really, really enjoying Outriders, especially since it's been a hell of a lot more stable recently. They introduced a patch, which came out on Saturday, but even before then, the servers were, were a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing a lot of that um, Rogue Company and Octopath. I'm really, really enjoying Octopath. Uh, to, to be honest, I did start it a little bit on the Switch when they first released the demo, 
but I never ended up buying it for the Switch, so it's been really nice to to jump into that. It's just hmm. such a, like a magical little little RPG. The art style, the music, um, and then they just got a nice little twist on the combat, which is very familiar, but there's like a, a few little things that that make it seem fresh as well. So um, really, really nice to to play like what is kind of an old school JRPG in some senses, mm. but with a couple of modern twists. Yeah, I'm still yet to give that a go, uh, much to my dismay. Um, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? You know, we've had this conversation many times, but Game Pass is such a fantastic service that it's just yeah. there's, there's too much <laughs> in there, isn't it? It's like, oh my god, it's it, you know, I can imagine being a kid and going into blockbusters and saying, you know, you can have you can watch any film that you want. It'd just be like be mind blowing and just finding the time to just watch all and take in all of this content. Yeah, well, my backlog, it gets bigger with yeah. pretty much each passing month. But what I tend to do is when a new game comes out, so for example, Octopath, I add it to my backlog and then I've got like a pin section of basically it's just called backlog. And I, it must be about 30-odd games long now. Um, but when a new game comes out, I add it to the front generally because like, oh, it's brand new. I really want to play mm. like Octopath. I really want to get into it, especially with it being like a 60-hour campaign. Um, so then the games at the bottom of that backlog, I just being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back just out of interest um, have you have you had any games that have been on your backlog that have actually disappeared out of the service that you've not had a chance to play not yet no right. uh not not that I, I know of at least anywhere but i'm pretty sure all, all of them are, are still are still in there to to be honest so um i'm trying to think what's actually come out of game pass recently um nothing major sticks out i don't think they've had any sort of major games leave the service I can recall anyway. So no, thank you. They're all still there. They've had GTA Five come and go, well, come back again there, haven't they? And obviously yeah, Red Dead true. Two and things like that. But you got to be honest, right? When when games come into the service, it's like, oh wow, I get all excited and it's fantastic. But I've got to be honest, when the games leave, it's like, meh. You know, I've I've either played it at that point or, you know, yeah. I've yeah, it's it's quite a strange thing, I mean, isn't it? I've never once had a game leave the service thinking, oh damn, I still haven't played that. Um, yeah, Pucks I think. Have, um, I was just going to say, I think normally because they're in sort of a minimum six months, either you've played it or if you haven't played it within six months, you can probably assume that maybe, you you know, it's not, it's not for you. But even then, I guess the good thing is they let you know that it's going to be leaving ahead of time and you can buy it at a 20% discount yeah, exactly. before it leaves the service as well. So it is it is good from, good from that perspective. But if I haven't got to get to a game in the six or 12 months it's in the service, then, you know, I'm not missing out too much from from my own personal perspective i don't think no exactly no i, I feel exactly the same pucks what, what have you been playing this week and have you um have you missed out on any games that have, that have left game pass before you've had a chance to play them uh not particularly i mean for this week i'm actually the opposite of scott i think i've actually been playing quite a lot of octopath traveler with my partner and only a bit of outriders uh hmm. apart from that um not much else actually really i've actually been I know people are aware of this, but I've actually been diving into teaching myself Unreal Engine again. So I've just finished putting a little project together I was going to post up in the next day or two, actually, for people to just try out. That's cool. Uh, but outside of that, I've not played much else. Uh, in terms of missing things from Game Pass, uh, not really, because at least from my perspective, I mean, I think like a lot of people, especially if you're on PC, um, you tend to go through the, the weekly or monthly cycle of claiming games or free titles from Twitch Prime or or uh, Epic Games Store or the Amazon Store, whichever mm. other ones there are. So I've got this massive library of smaller titles, which if they come out of the service, I tend to look at them and think, oh, I've got that on my PC on some library I claim for free <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So 
it's it's no big deal for me. I think the only one I really I didn't really miss out on it because I have it on PS4, but the only game I wanted to try on the Series X was Witcher 3. Um, okay. I know they got pulled out a while back, but hmm. again, I've played the game, so I'm not really, I'm not too fussed about that one, but I'll probably come back to it at some point, but it's no big deal for me at the moment. Yeah, no, it's so strange, isn't it, how that happens? Like I say, I've, I've not had a single game leave the service where I've been kind of, you know, annoyed by it, but there we go. Um, oh, actually saying that, you've been playing Naruto Boy as well, haven't you? This is your gameplay footage that we've got on the screen currently. Yeah, I played a, about just short of an hour and a half of it. It's interesting. I mean, don't mock my gameplay too much. It's quite <laughs> bizarre, actually, because there's like when it comes, you see like a lot of these characters, but like the prompt to interact with them is in a very specific spot. <laughs> oh, it's so, a bit fiddly, is it? Yeah, so you, can't, you might see me move left and right, just waiting for that little B button to appear to then interact with things. And some of the puzzles are a bit obscure at first. You see me running around for a bit, I think, about. 40 minutes in just kind of not knowing what I'm doing but I do figure it out and then you then kind of clicks as to the type of game it is and how you should look at the puzzles kind of thing so it, it gets a bit better from that point I, I enjoy it so far it's a really good game I oh, encourage cool. people to try it out yeah absolutely and why, and why wouldn't you if you've got game pass give it a go as long as mm. you've got the time uh, Luke you've pretty much um, finished Outriders haven't you you're done now uh, with Outriders yeah 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 I'm pretty much uh, I mean I'm not I've, uh, well, I've done the main campaign. There's there's endgame content uh, which I'm plodding through, um, and uh, I mean I'll, I'll probably do all of the expeditions, but I just don't know how long that will take me. Uh, I've got, but I've done, you know I've got like I think if you include the demo hours, I've probably got about sixty hours out of that out of that game, which is you know for me especially quite quite a lot. Mm. Um, so I'm really, you know, it's, it's, I've really enjoyed it and, uh, it's not a perfect game and, you know, it's not kind of particularly great at anything, but I just think it's, it's fun. And, you know, for game pass, especially, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. So, so yeah, I've been, I've been going through that. Um, I just completed with my partner, um, it takes two, uh, oh, wow. five or so, about five days ago, um, which is just a wonderful wonderful game mm. uh, and i'd strongly recommend if you if you have someone you can find to play uh, that game with that you should because i think it's a it's an amazing experience and um you know just a such a unique and creative game in what it does so uh and then apart from that i played a little bit of narita boy as well which i really like okay. um i'm gonna dive into that a bit more and the only other game i've been playing is oddworld soulstorm at last yes i, I saw your 570 yeah, seeing it like hundreds of state of plays and and stuff like yeah. that. So, uh, and it, it's 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 really cool. It's really fun. Um, it's uh, I'm getting through it very slowly because, um, as with all of the classic Oddworld games, there's a lot of trial and error in them, and um, they can be very punishing in a lot of respects. Mm. So you have to kind of take your time with them. But it's you know it's got it it's a really cool. Um, kind of setting and the 2d 3d stuff that they do is is super super cool and um yeah so that's yeah we've been kept quite quite busy and then i think i'm just eagerly looking forward to something like you know returnal at the end of the month which is oh, okay. know, kind of one of the bigger games coming out mm. in soon uh so yeah plenty to play plenty coming up as well well, not that I own a PS5, but the more I see of Returnal, the more I seem to want to play it. It looks really good. I'm really, yeah, really excited yeah. for that game. 
but uh, no, that's pretty cool well um we've got some healthy chat going on thanks everyone here for, for being here already um well let's get on with topic one show let's have a little bit of fun on topic one um i quite like playing the the speculation game and and chat please feel free to get involved in this one because uh there is no right or wrong answer um perhaps we'll come to you first luke as well um so you know we, we've there's a, a rumored four events that um, Xbox are going to have that, that we know about so far, and that doesn't include the Game Awards or anything like that. I think there's a couple of events before E3. Um, if obviously Xbox are at E3, and, and there's a post E3 event as well that I've, that I've heard rumored. Um, very interesting to, to sort of see what you think might be coming to these events and, and how Xbox are going to pace the information. Um, what, what games do you think we're going to see updates for? Everything or just select ones? Um, I, I think if it's if it's before E3, I would I would expect you know there to be one primary event where you get may, maybe you get some first party stuff, and I think if that is the case, it would be quite limited because I I, I think they really do enjoy uh, the kind of E3 periods and they like doing these big shows, right? And we already know they're going to be at, at E3 digitally this year. What you know, mm. what form? I don't know, but uh, presuming that they do like a, a normal digital show, I think the vast majority of stuff will be there. Um, so I think I think they'll have one show where they might show some first party stuff off. Um, maybe just you know one or two games. I I don't know what. Like I don't know which games you would choose for something like that. Um, and but I think if they do, you know, these rumored additional shows. I would imagine they're probably like Game Pass orientated. If anything, they might focus on those sorts of things rather than be, you know, here's a new here's a new reveal of a game or or something like that. Um, mm. But do you it, think they, it's quite do you, hard. Do you think they're going to push Flight Sim quite hard? Because um, they seem to make quite a big deal of it um, when it was you know when it was coming to consoles and was going to be on Series X and stuff. And it seems to have died a death. I can't believe it's it's taken this long to bring it to consoles. In all honesty, but. Uh, uh, I mean that's I that's due in that's due in summer anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's due in summer. I I can I I get why it's taking this long because frankly I think that it's a an incredibly demanding game. Mm. Uh, so I suspect the work to bring it to consoles, even though you know Series X is very powerful, um, you know it's it's not it's not a high end you know equivalent to to some of the stuff that Flight Sim runs on, right? And um, it's not thirty ninety, no. <laughs> No, no, uh, and it's 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 really really demanding. So I suspect there's a lot of work that's gone into that to try and, well, two twofold. One to try and get it to run, but also the bigger uh, issue, I guess, from a development perspective on that game is actually making it work on a on a controller because it's, you know, on PC you can pop a controller in and and use it, but it's not it's not a it's clearly not designed for that use, right? It's designed for either some dedicated hardware or a keyboard and mouse. Mm. Um, so uh, I think, and I, I don't know whether they'll, I mean, I think they will push it to some extent because it's it's a, certainly a spectacular game to look at, but it's an incredibly niche game, right? It's, it's mm. not going to drive people to Game Pass. On console especially, it's not something I would think that console gamers would be super into, although I think there is a market for it. So, um, you know, at one of these upcoming events pre-E3, I could definitely see them doing something, like having something on it. Because as you say, it's been quite a while since I've actually said anything about it on console. So, uh, yeah, so I think um, 
they will they'll probably show that i'd like to see like in terms of pre-e3 i'd like to see an update on something like hellblade 2 because i think that's probably closer to having something shown for it than some other titles that they've oh. already revealed I've, a lot of us were expecting that in in the last showcase, weren't we? That just didn't appear. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You got you got a vid doc on Iceland, which was, was uh, yeah, we got we got we got a smidgen. Just <laughs> now, <laughs> now, what we're talking yeah. about. What was was that the Game Awards? I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, well, the original reveal was at the Game Awards, wasn't no, it? And no, no, the update. The, 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 what was the update that we got? Oh, there was the, a live showcase. That was at the showcase. The uh, the big xbox first party yeah the, the july one yeah and it was a it was a you know we're, we're God, pleased to it? reveal this wow. yeah <laughs> believe it, it or not it was coming up to a year ago yeah. that now flat yeah. god yeah that's the god wow and, <laughs> and, and then it, it, it was yeah it was it was just uh oh by the way the uh the game set in iceland which everybody had already figured <laughs> big out deal. by the way uh and so it was kind of like oh yeah well cool um so see yeah big deal so i'd like to see something of that i think they released that screenshot a little bit ago didn't they on on twitter um which is uh, small but it was something on the game and um it, it'd be nice to actually see something from it um i, I was just hoping that they hadn't over promised that that was kind of a cgi and everyone was like oh my god this is the first sort of next gen vision or first game that we've seen running next gen and all of the devs are thinking oh shit that's not quite what it looks like and they're having to spend all of this time trying to make the game more look more like that yeah i mean to be honest i would be i would be very surprised i would be very impressed and very surprised if it looked mm. like the original teaser um I, I mean first of all like you know it's it, that wasn't representative of, of the gameplay anyway because it's it's purely a kind of um uh, cinematic uh, kind of showpiece. Well, they, so... they, 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 yeah, but they never really came out and stated that, did they? They didn't say, "Hang on a minute, you know, this is representative." Did they? They, they, they've, they've kind of let the narrative run that this was actual sort of what we could expect, I they, haven't they? I mean, they said it was in in, in, in yeah. I think they said it was in in, in engine. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the yeah, but what does that, that actually mean? Does that just mean it's running yeah. in um, Unreal Four or something then? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, precisely. The The point is that many different developers often put out what they call in-engine footage. Yeah. And usually it's it's some kind of, you know, at least from the ones I've traditionally seen, it's, it's kind of engine assets running, but not usually at higher fidelity than you would see in-game. The, the, one of the prime culprits of this sort of stuff is actually EA, who released kind of in-engine footage for Battlefield Five, if if people remember, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, they also did the same for for Battlefront Two. And whilst those games were spectacular looking, they certainly didn't look like the in-engine footage that they'd released. So I always take that with a big grain of salt. On, mm. It doesn't really matter who says that. I'm kind of like until I actually see that game running, I'm not going to believe it. If they do even manage to make it look close to that, it'll look it'll look incredible though. I hope I so because uh, it's not pre-rendered, doesn't it? I think like is that what you I mean? Kind of like right. you kind of got three, almost three phases. You've got gameplay, in-engine, and then CGI above yeah. that. If you take those as sort of the three levels of, of reveal, often so yeah, I think yeah. It, I just mean it's it's sort of not not pre-rendered, not a CGI. If you compared it to say, for example, the State of Decay 3's oh, yeah. trailer, yeah. that that was pure CGI. That was pre-rendered. Yeah. Um, I think Hellblade's would be a step beneath that, and then Halo Infinite was 
actual gameplay, I guess. The, the only difficulty, I guess, with the, the Hellblade one was that um, it was running at, at 24 FPS, apparently. Yeah. Uh, which, which you know, it lends it lends credence to it more being some offline render than mm, some yeah. some kind of actual demonstration. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. And uh, I, I look. I mean, Hell, the original Hellblade looked incredible uh, and still does to this day, especially for the team size. So with additional resources and you know a bigger team, etc., I'm sure they could they will be able to make something that looks properly quote unquote next gen. I hope so, uh, and uh, I can't remember who said it now in the chat. Thank you, chat, all for being here. It's, it's fantastic already, but uh, I think it was Shizno Elite saying, um, I'm sure they're having to wait for Unreal 5 engine to be ready, which is taking a little while. But also, not not only that, you know, we've got all of the DirectX 12 Ultimate upgrades coming as well, um, being able to shift data around very quickly and things and, and streaming assets mm. in and out very quickly as well. So um, there's lots of goodness to come. Um, Pucks, let's come to you next, if you don't mind. And should we go through the chat first? How are we with the chat before we move on too far yeah so i've got a few comments i can read out actually uh, just to make sure we're up to date so going way back to the beginning when we were talking about what games we've been playing uh warlocky 71 said here that uh, my backlog is huge and never-ending just play yeah. what i feel like at the time i still buy stuff as well despite this that's uh, interesting Marion what was the, the last okay uh, luke what was the last xbox game you bought oh god um yeah, the last <laughs> one. Oh, it was uh, it was um, uh, Watch Dogs Legion, which okay, I promised ten minutes. Uh, well, I, I guess for me, it's technically Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which came with my okay. Xbox in the first place. Yeah, Scott, I genuinely cannot remember. It would have been Outriders until it came to Game Pass, so I had to cancel the pre-order there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, what what game was it? It might have been maybe FIFA. Wow! I bought, of course. Yeah, I, th- I think I bought FIFA before Christmas, um, but when it when it was in sale, it's, it's been it's been a little while. A lot of the games that I purchase outright are Switch games, rather, rather than Xbox games these oh, days. My, mine was Valhalla as well, but but I think that is a testament to Game Pass, isn't it? That we're all struggling yeah. to remember the last game we actually spent <laughs> yeah. actual money on, you know, actual hard earned cash. And to be honest, that's part of topic uh, three, I believe, coming up later. Um, which I'm really excited to delve into, but uh, yeah, it is a testament to um, to Game Pass, isn't it? About you know about that. But uh, let's, let's, let's carry on then, Pucks. What else have we got in the yeah. chat? Yeah, uh, another one here from Marion the Mad, who says that my backlog is full. I plan on starting the Metro series, finishing Far Cry Three, and starting Resident Evil Seven. Anyone excited yeah. for Metro Exodus with the um, next gen bells and whistles? I am. I think that looks fantastic already there and i can tell you it's it's pretty special yeah so, you yeah. <laughs> was that was that on your new card or on the 2080 ti no it's on my new card because i downloaded it right. again specifically to, to check it out just out of interest you've got 3080 did you is there much of a difference between the 2080 and the 3080 that you've noticed yeah it's pretty significant uh it gets even more significant when you start to run ray tracing so when you're running ray tracing and anything right. the performance are we, are we talking is, frames per second difference Yes, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty massive. So, for example, um, Cyberpunk, uh, as an example, you know, I can get Ultra on that with DLSS on, of course, at 4K uh, with all the ray tracing at uh, the max settings, and you can get about 60 FPS out of that. So, um, it's a pretty special experience, apart from it crashing all the time, of course. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Sorry, Pucks. That's all right. I've got a number more to go through. And more comments are coming in, which I'm storing as uh, <laughs> as you guys are chatting. So I'll try and catch up. 
Uh, one here from Shizno Elite when you was talking about uh, Hellblade and stuff. So they've just gone radio silent about Hellblade 2. Oh my God. I hate that I don't like having to wait years for a game to release. Wish they hadn't announced it when they did. Uh, I'm sure they're having to wait for Unreal 5. Oh, sorry, you said that a minute ago. Uh, Tuka and Gula here says, itching to see the first Hellblade gameplay. Uh, Shizno Elite again says, Xbox have enough studios. They can afford to wait till games are a year out at the most to announce them. I don't even like them being announced two years to release. Uh, Marion the Mad again says, I just bought Rise of the Tomb Raider, ne- uh, Metro Exodus, and Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens Deluxe Edition. Uh, and finally, another one here from Shizno Elite who says, um, Some gameplay would be nice, but after how the Halo, sorry, after how Halo got skewered, I'm sure all Xbox devs are afraid to show anything because apparently a demo means final code now. I, I think that extends to all devs, not just Xbox mm. ones. Yeah, I think particularly even indie game devs to a certain degree, you know, if, if their game doesn't look like, you know, the sort of, or perhaps not so much indie thinking about it, but yeah, if their final game doesn't quite look like the the representations, then they get lambasted over it, don't they? I've um, just seen another comment here, actually. Uh, well, I imagine to the chat in general, but I'm going to read it out. So Dragon Wolf here has said, what are you expecting Flight Sim to run at on the Series X? 4K 30 down to maybe 1440, as it seems to be the new crisis in terms of pushing hardware. Well, I think it's going to have dynamic yeah. resolution. At the very, very least, I don't think it will have... Does the? I don't think the, the PC version has ray tracing, does it? Sure. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. No, I think it's a feature they want to introduce, but it's not there. I mean, I, w- I would think... I think on Series X, I mean, there's, well, two things. One, there's no way that game's running at 60 on anything. Oh, you don't uh, think? No, no. Not a chance because... um, Not even with quite a severe dynamic um, resolution shift. I mean, maybe with a severe dynamic res shift, but I'm talking about into the 1080p zone to, or maybe less to try and get it at a good setting. So um, even even my rig... uh, uh, has a job on to get it at sixty. Yeah, um, right. I have to turn it on settings. Um, so I would, I would, and and also you, you do not in any way need sixty fps for that game. It's a, it's a simulation, so it's no, that's just, true. It's yeah. Uh, so I think probably um, as you say, flat like some some DRS or it will be at fourteen forty p thirty. In fact, she's no release. Just come back, and he's, he's he's intrigued to know how it's going to perform on the Series S. Um... Yeah, I mean the, the big, the big one actually. The S is going to be super interesting, mm. and all the both the consoles are, but the S is going to be more interesting because Flight Sim is really heavy on everything, but one thing it's absolutely crushing on is memory. So um... Um, you know, if you know, I, I think on PC for ultra settings or or high settings, it's recommended you have at least 30, 32 gigs of RAM. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you don't have that and you play with say 16 and you're trying to push it too high, uh, it will just, it will just crash. It will just mm. not be able to cope. So on series S, um, it's going to be super, it, I tell you what, it will be a really good indication of how powerful these consoles actually That's are. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. That is going to be a good yardstick, isn't it? And like you say, I think, yeah. I think we could expect the resolution to top out at 720 preps on the series S. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, Imagine definitely. that topping out at 720 on the next gen console. <laughs> yeah. It sounds sounds wild when you say it, say it like that. I, I imagine they'll I, I imagine they'll want it to at least be 1080 if they can, either through obviously dynamic uh, resolution through 30 FPS, and I imagine they'll scale down those yeah. like the texture quality and and, and yeah. things like that to try to try and make the, sh- the shadows are just going to be big blocks. Possible. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's a bloody good looking game, so I imagine they could probably torn some things down to to get it there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. The wild thing is they're still looking into seeing if they can get an Xbox One version on that. I believe the last time they commented on it, they said they're still they'd still like to bring it to to Xbox One, which Xbox is, One, flight, yeah, yeah, which, which, is, which is a scary scary thought. Imagine what that'll look like. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. 240p. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have you seen those demakes of games where they take like Resident Evil 7 and they make it look like N64? Um, yeah. Potentially be, be like that on the Xbox One. The Horizon Zero Dawn version, yeah. I think, uh, demake of that looked amazing when yeah. they together, right? <laughs> um, like, I, it genuinely made me want to play it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let's go. Let's go back to pucks. Let's just try and get back on topic. We've kind of wandered off wildly there. The, the chat's taken us down a, a little rabbit hole, which I quite enjoy actually. Quite like that. But uh, pucks, what uh, what games are you looking forward to um, coming um, in these Xbox events? Then what what do you think Xbox have still yet to show us uh, gameplay wise? Do you think we're going to see anything from Fable or Perfect Dark? Because there was a rumor. Well, I say rumor. There was a, a report that those games are still many years off yet, which a lot of people were questioning, particularly around Fable, because that's been in production for at least three years now. But um, what else do you think we might see at these uh, events? I don't know. Um, I know in the past uh, couple of months, or previous couple of months, there's been rumours that, you know, um, about is Banjo-Kazooie getting another um, kind of chance at life again after the kind of failed attempt on the 360 with the uh, Nuts and Bolts game, I think it was called. Um, so if that is true, that would be very interesting. Um, obviously, we know about the uh, the new Tomb Raider, uh, not Tomb Raider, um, Indiana Jones game. That's we haven't true. seen any gameplay for that yet, so no. quite interesting to see what they do with that. Because I would like that to be, in my mind, for that particular game, I'd like that to play something similar to Uncharted. Yeah. Um, because I love those games. Like the story and as well as the gameplay and the controls are fantastic. And I, mm-hmm. in my mind, I can see an Indiana Jones game taking great form. With I've got to be honest. Whenever I was playing Uncharted. Well, whenever I was playing Uncharted, I was, it was always like it was an Indiana Jones game anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. I mean, I've just, mm. seen some comments that I think it's a while off. I mean, I, I agree. Um, but to answer the question is, do I think I'll see I'll see anything? I'd like to think that those will be some ones I'd like to see gameplay for. Um, again, I agree that games like Fable and some of the others that you mentioned are... Well, it, it's easy to say I think they're a way off, but then, you know, we don't know anything of what's what what are the holiday games for 2021 like, we don't know what those really are yet so i'd like to think that some of these which we've seen at least teased to us i'd like to think that there must be at least one which is set to be the uh the christmas seller um as much as halo, I'm... isn't it well halo oh, yeah, that's a good point yeah, yeah. I, I think i think we'll be lucky if we see anything other than halo in by the end of this year out of Outside of Bethesda stuff, if you think of just sort of Xbox Game Studios, I think we'll be lucky if there's anything other than other than Halo. To to be Starfield. honest, but... I mean, Starfield's been rumoured to be coming later in the year, perhaps. Yeah, uh, sorry, like I said, sort of outside of Bethesda because that's oh, sorry, a little sorry, bit sorry, of a, yeah. I guess, a, a wild card. And obviously, we've just mm-hmm. seen Deathloop being delayed for PlayStation Five by at yeah. least at least a couple of months. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think Halo's the 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 big seller and I'd, I'd actually be curious as to whether microsoft actually wants to put anything else out alongside halo are they happy just to have halo as the one and only sort of this fall maybe well, have something like psychonauts this summer yeah, i thought that about kind of starfield it always seems strange that they were talking about starfield and, and halo launching in such close succession i, I never thought that was perhaps a, quite a good strategy to be honest but perhaps i'm wrong 
I mean, another game I've spoken about quite a lot that I'm really looking forward to is a is a little game called Tunic, which obviously did the rounds with a mysterious tweet that went out the other day. Because mm. I, I say mysterious because um, as it Finji, I think it is that kind of uh, published under them as well as the official Tunic Twitter channel. I mean, they never post anything. They it get, there's not probably a post a year if that um, if you're lucky. So when I saw that, I got very excited because it made me kind of think that. Are they reinvigorating people's attention to the game because it's maybe almost done or maybe that's coming out soon? Um, I, I mean, I wish for that to come out. If it does come out this year, then, I mean, I don't think a game like, a smaller game like Tunic being almost like a small Zelda-like is anything like Halo. I mean, so I, I'd argue they're not really competing against each other. They're two very different types of games, different scales of games. Um, so, again, I've got my fingers crossed hoping for maybe a an end of year release for a game like Tunic, but I am that is with uh, holding my breath a lot there because I, I still don't anticipate I'm going to see that for a while. Well, it looks like yeah. it's gone gold. Wasn't that what the uh, sort of uh, little tweet was alluding to? Uh, well, n- not officially. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that it's just a gold door that's in the game. Um, I remember seeing foot- past footage of the game which didn't have the gold door, so. It, that's why I commented kind of tongue-in-cheek in a way, like, oh, has this gone gold, guys? You know, just as a bit of fun. But part of me was kind of a bit semi-serious in that, is that, you know, is this a message? Or, or is it It just seems a bit too random to be just for the sake of it. But I don't know, companies no. do do that. And again, yeah. it's a small game by one person. So maybe it's a case of just putting it back in people's minds again. And that's it's kind of quite... what made me think that maybe it's coming sooner than maybe a lot of people potentially think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was quite symbolic, wasn't it? I, I don't think people could be um, lambasted for, for assuming that it had gone gold with that little gif that was playing round and around. It did seem like that was symbolic of it of it going gold, perhaps. But uh, yeah, there were a few other comments in the along the comments on that tweet. Oh, a load of other people saying about, oh, what does this mean? Does this mean anything? Mm-hmm. And then obviously you just get the general love this game, can't wait for it, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, maybe maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe it was just for fun. But again, with these tweets, companies are having fun with it. And you never know. That's <laughs> kind of part of the surprise, I guess, for better or worse. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Luke, um, the the rumor that a huge AAA title um, is is coming to Game Pass is is still doing the rounds. Uh, are we all assuming that this is Battlefield Six, or do we think it could be something else? Um, I think I think that's a good that's a good guess. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other games kind of that fit that description that could feasibly come to Game Pass. Like the the what the thing that throws me off about Battlefield Six is that would EA be that generous? I mean, I know obviously money would change hands for that, but hmm. it just strikes me as EA wouldn't countenance that when they've when they've got their own you know premier service on pc admittedly uh that they can that they'll put it on as well oh, and on game pass uh, i mean it is ea plays on game pass isn't it so it's not a huge leap perhaps well well no but not day and day ea games on game pass mm, it's okay. just the, the, the you know the historic service of ea play so um i think it's called premier isn't it or something like that the uh the high tier on pc so um so i don't know um the one that always stood out to me if it launched this year that would be kind of prime Game Pass um, bound in terms of a AAA game would be Dying Light 2 uh, okay. if it launched this year. I feel like that's the kind of game they would go for because mm-hmm. I think, you know, Techland with some of their troubles, etc., would, you know, and given its um, 
you know, may launch this year. Um, it seems like it'd be a good fit uh, for it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, if Battlefield Six comes to Game Pass, so it's a fantastic, fantastic get for Microsoft, and that will no doubt attract a number of new subscribers to that service. And I'd just be pleased with it to be able to get that game, not have to spend money on it, of course. But um, <laughs> yeah, Dying Light as well. Um, you know, I'd be more excited for that to be honest, because I was really looking forward to that. But um, um yeah i i mean they're definitely they're definitely starting to ramp up this uh kind of um you know triple a day and date game pass rhetoric um and i think they want to do that as much as possible in the next few months um because they don't have you know until the the we presume until the the holidays hit right they they don't have first party stuff coming out or at least the, the bigger first party stuff so you know, I think they want to get some stuff in on, and get people looking forward to to you know to these games coming and keep them invested because you know all X games just around the corner and about to come into it. Um, so I think it's interesting, um, but yeah, it's it's hard to know for sure what game it will be. Yeah, um, uh, it's definitely not Call of Duty because it was rumored to be a first <laughs> person, wasn't it? A big AAA first person, so obviously not. Call of Duty or anything like that, but I guess because it's not Call of Duty, I think that might be one of the reasons or one of the things that's fueling the Battlefield Six kind of argument in the fact that obviously um, uh, Activision and, and Call of Duty have kind of aligned themselves to to PlayStation, and so the sort of natural yeah. opposition to that would be Battlefield Six on the Xbox, and obviously, you know, uh, the fact EA plays already on Game Pass, you know, it, it wouldn't perhaps be the the huge. Um, bundle of cash down to have that on the service um, had EA Play not already been on there, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah I mean, to... I think. Go on, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was going to say, I'm sure it will come to Game Pass eventually because it will come yeah. to EA Play eventually and be vaulted. Mm. But I don't know whether that'll be day and day. Yeah, no, fair I... enough. Uh, Scott, did, I mean, could it be an Ubisoft game? Yeah, I think Battlefield 6 kind of makes sense. I, th- I think you maybe got to consider, right, what first-person shooters are going to be out by the end of this mm-hmm. year. If, if if we are, or if the rumors are sort of fixed on a AAA FPS, that really does narrow down the options, doesn't it? I mean, you've got something like maybe Far Cry 6, um, Back yeah. for Blood, Battlefield, uh, really outside of those three, and, and Call of Duty, obviously, which, which as you rightly say, if that, we can rule that out. Like, what other first-person shooters are, are, are likely to come. But I think the Battlefield 6 rumor, in my opinion, just kind of makes sense. I think there's a couple of key things. So I think the first one is obviously, well, more than likely, it won't come to Game Pass for PC because, as you mentioned there, look, you've got a year play premium on PC, which obviously isn't available on consoles just yet. Mm. But on console, uh, so there's a couple of big things. I think the first one is that Battlefield 5 and Battlefield 1 um, really were... As much as some people like those games, were in my opinion, sort of it showed uh, the popularity of the Battlefield franchise really take a dip, especially in comparison to Call of Duty. And what Battlefield are going to be battling against this year is not just Call of Duty Vanguard or whatever. Apparently, it's it's going to be called. It's still going to be Warzone. It's still going to be a free-to-play version of Call of Duty that is probably going to be more popular than whatever the full price Call of Duty game comes out. So they're going to be competing with a free-to-play game, first and foremost. Mm. Um, secondly, Microsoft, uh, sorry, EA, the most recent earnings call, really uh, highlighted the boost that adding EA Play 
uh, sorry, two two Game Pass Ultimate had to EA Play subscriber numbers. So for every person that subscribes to Game Pass Ultimate to play Battlefield Six on PC, there's another EA Play subscriber technically as well. So there is sort of a, a couple of benefits to to them releasing. It's like they have microtransactions as well. And I think if you look at, I think if they look at maybe the success that Outriders has had just this past week, I think they'd be looking at that, and that would probably be really. Um, promising to see and would encourage them possibly to sign up if maybe they were umming and ahhing about it a little bit. I think seeing the success that, you know, Outriders, as big as it was, it's a Square, Square Enix published game. It isn't, it doesn't have sort of the name recognition that a Battlefield game does. And I imagine that would, that would be even bigger. So I, I think Battlefield just, just sort of makes, makes sense out of all the ones that, that were out there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I agree. And like you say, when you know, when you take into account all of the other things that are going around, like you say, you know, it's definitely not Call of Duty. EA and Xbox seem to be playing nicely together at the moment. Yeah. It, it just it does make sense. Although you know, I, I see Luke's point that you know perhaps it is a little bit too much of a step and do EA because you know, let's face it, Battlefield Six isn't a, a highly monetized or in-game monetized game, is it? So. You know, it's not like they're going to get it on Game Pass and make a, a chunk of money back through in-game purchases, unless they've highly monetized it. Perhaps, hope not. But mm. uh, yeah, you never know. Um, Pucks, how are we doing? Uh, are we caught up with the chat and everything? Uh, yes, that's the chat so far. Okay, so uh, you know, we've got quite a few, uh, you know, um, events still to come. I, I think there's still some hardware to show off. I know, I know, we've kind of had this discussion before, but um, I'm just wondering if perhaps this is the year that we might actually start to see. Um, Xbox and people like LG and Samsung partner up to have Game Pass app on on the TVs that are coming out, and also perhaps the the Game Pass stick that you know obviously little HDMI stick that plugs in. Do you think we might start seeing stuff like that this year, or, or at least perhaps hear of the vision going forwards with, with regards getting Game Pass in, onto more devices? Speaking of devices in general, I'm not going to be talking about quite Game Pass here, but you just jogged my memory because I, uh, I think it might have been about a month ago or three weeks ago. There was a trailer for a game coming out for PlayStation VR. Um, I think it was called like Toy Soldiers or Toy Factory or something like that. You, you're mm. almost like a Geppetto with to- like you know wooden toys on a table kind of thing, and it's it's the whole trailer is in VR. But then what I found interesting was that there was also a trailer for the game for Xbox on the official Xbox channel, and it was the same VR trailer. And it kind of made me think, well, the game is very much a VR game. Is this mm. almost like a and under the cuff sign of VR somehow coming to Xbox, or is it just a mistake on the developer's part for making a trailer, a VR trailer for Xbox when there's no VR headset? It was that really threw me off. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago that was, but it's got me wondering if outside of Game Pass stuff, as you originally mentioned, I'm wondering if we are, has a VR been alluded to is kind of what's in my mind as well. So I'm kind of interested to see hardware wise what comes out regarding that. Well, they've had their AR glasses around for a long time, haven't they? they, they they've always looked really intriguing. I yeah, the AR what stuff, but yeah, what, what they, specifically. What, what's the AR for Microsoft called? I can Hol- never HoloLens. HoloLens, that's it. I keep thinking of, um, what was the Google one? Was that HoloGlass or something? Oh, it was just called Google Glass, I think, Google wasn't Glass. it? Yeah, yeah. Now, that HoloLens always looks pretty intriguing. But um, do you think we're going to see a Series Elite um, 3 controller this year? You're asking me, sorry? Yeah. I'll be surprised if not. I mean, I, I can definitely see them putting the uh, extra capabilities that they put into the base mm. kind of Series X or the Series controller um, into a new Elite 3. It may, um, you know, with the advent of things like the share button and a few extra stuff. And 
Uh, if anything, it's more of the hardware level, isn't it? Like the increased or rather decreased uh, latency times between input and the game being registered and stuff. So I think it would be minor. It's mainly going to be those kind of um, optimizations of the controller, so to speak, as opposed to the new features is what I would imagine. Um, but I'd like to think though they might announce a, a Series 3 controller at some point. It makes perfect sense in my mind. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it feels about the time that they would do that. I mean, I think, I think, uh, Xbox's hardware division are on fire at the moment. If I'm honest, I know, you know, I know the the, the headphones. Um, I think most people give them kind of four out of five stars. I think that's kind of the average of what people have been giving them because you know, bang for your bucks, really good. Not the best quality in the world, but um, certainly good, good quality stuff. Luke, is there any other hardware that you think we might start to see this year, or, or perhaps you know, some vision of the future coming on? Because let's face it, Xbox are far from finished. That um, they're still going, and they, they've alluded to stuff in the future that we we still haven't really heard about like i say that you know the the tv apps for game pass and the and the potential sort of game pass stick do you think we might start seeing a little more detail around that um i think you'll definitely start to see more details around their app integration with mm. uh the manufacturers etc i think that's you know that's kind of to me that's the next um natural evolution of of where they're taking game pass and you know getting it onto you know, as many platforms as possible, if you want to call, you know, um, uh, TV apps, you know, a platform. Um, so I think I think you will definitely see some of that. I don't think they will make, you know, a huge, big deal out of it. I think it will be probably kind of, uh, you know, beta applications this year or something like that, going, yeah. you know, like building towards proper releases. So. But it'll still be, you know, it'll, it'll be cool. Um, I, I don't know about... Um, a stick um i just can't see the like the overall use case for one i mean it may be that for some people that's quite useful but i think if you know especially nowadays if you're buying a modern tv they tend to all have integrated smart features and that you can easily get um, an xbox app on that it wouldn't be that difficult so i'd I don't know if there's a, you know, a use case for them to put into hardware development, that kind of product. Maybe perhaps there is. For Can I, can I add to that? Because I think there is a use case, if you don't mind me saying. Go on. Yeah, um, because uh, many from my parents' point of view, actually, because they've got um, like in a spare room, just like a really small TV, which it's not a smart TV at all. Yeah, obviously they use things like an Amazon Fire Stick, which, out, you know, just putting a small HDMI dongle in, you know, the TV becomes smart out of nowhere. So I'm wondering if a Game Pass stick has a use case for that, almost that same type of thing. But I agree. Like, if you've got a smart TV, then there's no point. But I'm wondering if there is a use case for those that can't afford a, a decent smart TV with enough processing power, or you know, you put all that processing power on a stick potentially for t- older TVs, maybe. Uh, I, I guess so. But even that is a really is a really niche market, right? You, you especially now where you know, if you went back, say, ten years ago right when smart tvs were in their infancy and you're saying okay you know we're building up these platform features etc um but not everybody has one of these you know much in the same way right that 4k tvs you know um years and years ago were not were not the standard right but now like when it and i get like not everybody's going to upgrade their tv right and that's 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 by the by not everyone can afford to do that and so, so that stick i guess might be useful for those people but you know, in a market now, it, it's. I think it's like 4K. It's, it can be quite hard to find a TV that isn't 
a smart TV that doesn't have smart TV platform features um, because it's just become such a ubiquitous part of, of how we, you know, watch television and what we use. Like if you try and find a Samsung TV that has no smart features, I don't know if you could do it in any normal market. So um, much in the same way that 4K is, it's like hard to almost impossible to find a 1080p television now. Right. So um, I think, you know, maybe maybe it is, and maybe it's it's something that Microsoft would look towards um, putting into production, not for the markets that we're kind of interested in per se, but perhaps you know markets where smart TVs just aren't commonplace because you know people can't afford them. So I'm thinking, you know, countries outside of UK, US, you know, the Americas, that sort of thing. Um, so it might be that it's something for for those markets more than more than ours, but um, I'd still be I'd still be surprised. Yeah, I think um, I've given this a little bit of thought actually, and and one area that I wondered if maybe there was a um, a use case for a stick outside of just you know availability of using the app directly on a smart TV is the the app itself will obviously need a certain amount of processing power. I assume is the you know, are the apps or is the hardware within a TV good enough? That might sound like a silly question. I, I, I'm honestly not too sure. I've, I've never, I've got an NVIDIA Shield that I plug into my TV. So even though it's got um, the smart features, I don't actually use any of them because I've got everything on, on the NVIDIA Shield. But I do wonder whether maybe it has the ability to... Um, well, I, I think the, the only real, the, the only sort of processing I think that a TV would need to do is obviously the incoming stream, and, and they would all have yeah. pretty tasty decoders in there because they're obviously decoding True. YouTube and all, all of those sort of things. The, the one thing that they might might not quite have, and I don't think it would be too hard to implement, is obviously the the upstream with the commands from your controller to the TV that it then obviously passes back up to the servers. I don't know yeah. if if TVs currently have that level of sort of connectivity oh. to external devices other than a a remote, as it were, but that you know that wouldn't be hard or expensive to implement. I, I wouldn't have thought. But uh, the only extra I, thing I can then think of as to why you'd have a dongle is purely for the Bluetooth functionality for your controller. Because you know, yeah. I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but do all smart TV, well, cheap ones, I guess, do they all have built-in Bluetooth as well? I wouldn't have thought um, so. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. So that would be my only, unless I'm wrong, of course. But that would well, be my only. Real, thing i can think of well there's many versions of bluetooth as well i think we're up to at least five aren't we i can't even remember what bluetooth version we're up to now but, uh, i know it was yeah. at least 4.2 i think was yeah, the I last. Think you can get up to 5.1 these days as, as yeah. well so the, the controller actually really is an interesting point of conversation because uh a bluetooth connection i believe adds maybe a slight um bit of additional latency compared to just the um the wireless tech between an Xbox and a and a controller is is my understanding of it. I don't think it's necessarily much, but in the streaming capacity, where you're getting the latency of the stream plus the latency of then Bluetooth and then back and then you know back back to the servers, I do wonder whether that's something that Microsoft are considering doing. Where rather than it being Bluetooth pucks, uh, it's actually just the you know the same wireless connection between an Xbox console and a controller rather than Bluetooth being included in, in the stick itself. Um, but I do actually wonder whether Microsoft would consider going down the Lunar or Stadia route of actually releasing an Xbox controller with Wi-Fi built in that connects directly to the xCloud servers in the same way that Stadia and, and Lunars do, because that does seem to um, eliminate at least some of the latency that goes yeah. on in a streaming capacity. 
You know what, Scott? I think if they were going to do that, they would have done that with the release of the Series X controllers. I, I think they were, they were obviously that that forward looking that they would have perhaps implemented that in this you know we never know they might already have done that 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 might be a capability in these new controllers that they haven't divulged yet perhaps but um yeah, yeah I, I don't think they would release a new console and then within perhaps eight months you have to then buy another controller to to because you know the one thing xbox are very good at, at the moment of being kind of consumer friendly and, and, and one device yeah. kind of fits all kind of thing but um but like I say, perhaps perhaps the new controllers do have you know a Wi-Fi capability. We're just not aware of it yet because they haven't switched it on with a with a sort of a firmware patch. Perhaps that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, imagine, and imagine it, it increases the hardware costs as well. Adding so you've got Xbox wireless, you've got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi in the controllers. I wonder if there's an element of you know cost that they've got to factor in with that. I'm sure, obviously, it's not massively expensive but obviously they'll be trying to keep the cost down as much as as much as possible so um i, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see a revision with wi-fi included um that's maybe slightly more expensive which is you know advertised as sort of the x cloud controller simply because like i say if if you know the lunar and stadia solution is the best solution for latency then i'm sure microsoft will want to do something similar because if they're trying to make the xCloud experience as close to, and uh, they're never going to get there as sort of a home console experience, then having that latency be as small as they possibly can get it will, will be will be quite important because latency is the, the main drawback to streaming games at the moment. So anything that they can do to reduce that as much as possible, i.e., you know, Wi-Fi controllers, and I'm, I'm sure that's something that they, they, they might look into, but I agree it is something that they might have considered um, including the Series X controller, and they may have, if they were going to, they, they may have already um, put it in. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it, I don't think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But, um, well, um, wow, what a first topic that was. That went on a lot longer than I was expecting, and that's great because obviously the chat's been throwing us a few curveballs as well. And uh, there's been a lot of chat actually around the the Series S and its capabilities and uh, Direct 12 Ultimate. Perhaps we need to do a topic on that, guys, because that did kind of light them up. And perhaps um, we need to do a topic on the Series S and how it's going to handle some of these more graphically intensive games going forwards and, and perhaps um, Flight Simulator is the example or yardstick of that but uh yeah so perhaps that could be a, a topic for future and thank you very much chat you've given me that idea chat you've been fantastic we've got so many great people in the chat already indie gamer uh warlocky tukungulu she's an elite dragon wolf i'm gonna miss so many people i do apologize with condo xbox news today uh stubbs gaming thank you for being here in fact stubbs gaming is one of the reasons we are doing our second topic strangely enough um we've been having lots of healthy debate on our discord server uh, and anyone who's in the chat that's not part of the discord server the gpg discord server please i encourage you to to join the there should be an invite in the description below on youtube come along uh, and have a chat because you know um in between our, our podcasts you know we, we don't do one every day as, as people know we, we we only kind of do one podcast a week at this moment in time but we do carry on the chat and it's great to see some of the, the healthy chat in our discord server and that's actually led to our second topic so let, let's go straight into that um and it is actually a topic we've covered before, and I'll come to you first, Pucks, if that's okay. And the topic is, um, has Xbox changed the ga uh, gaming landscape forever? Um, you know, this kind of came out of, of some discussion around PlayStation and some of their sort of um, decisions uh, that, that's been going on at the moment. And this isn't really about sort of PlayStation in general, but this is about Xbox and, and what it is that they're doing that's, that is kind of shaping the gaming landscape 
Um, there's been lots of discussions about you know Sony's response, if there will be one, if there won't be one, and all of those sort of things. But Pucks, do you think um, Xbox the the aggressiveness is actually a good thing for the gaming industry because they've been flashing a big ton of cash around? Does, does that ultimately benefit the gaming landscape in general? Do you think, or could it actually have a, a negative impact? It, well, it's definitely a great thing for Microsoft, I think it's fair to say, but whether or not it's great for the general gaming landscape, uh, I'm not sure. Be- um, thinking about it, I, I guess the what the aggressiveness aggressiveness kind of shows is that is almost what you can do if you do become aggressive and try to go out and reach for these things which seem impossible. I know we've, we've spoken about it loads of different times, but still, I mean... This time last year, that even the concept of um, Xbox buying up Avesta and all the sub- all the subsidiaries for seven point five billion would, well, you, you'd get laughed at, wouldn't you? I mean, it, you'd think what you're talking about, what you, what pills you've been taking. But um, mm-hmm. but now that it's all kind of happened, and as you say, hearing about things like Discord, uh, it's it's definitely a good thing in terms of what is what is possible to happen in the future. Um, but in terms of the negatives, uh, I think there are a number of people online and i've had this thought myself as well actually about if these big companies become too aggressive if you as your you know solo indie or a small company that are trying to make it big trying to make a living from making games for example um if you want to become bigger than just like a small time game developer and but then there's the potential that you're going to be bought out or eaten up by a big company um we've kind of had this before like does that potentially do you become a monopoly and if so is that a bad thing i know we've had this chat before um the more i think it was more healthy at that point in time but the more we do read about uh the potential acquisitions from microsoft and what else could happen it does make me wonder sometimes as to you know is it going to get to a point well i'll take a step back actually because I'm aware that a lot of the you know regulators and stuff wouldn't allow it to happen if those companies would did become a monopoly in the event they was to buy XYZ companies. Um, but it doesn't mean that people won't question it, and that might not necessarily be the best face you want as your public image at that point in time, if you get what I mean. Um, but the other side of the coin, though, what I think it has shown is what good it can be for the consumer you know we see you know for us uh, on xbox that love game pass um microsoft's aggressiveness in acquiring Bethesda, as well as all these other companies and pushing for even the smaller indie titles which they're p- uh, paying for to be on the service you know it's great for us because we get to play all of these titles for our monthly subscription no extras no less you know so and i know on the other side of the fence in the uh, the playstation camp i mean this is part of i think what you was talking about with um the healthy debate we had on Discord, because uh, I know Stubbs and I had a bit of a chat regarding PlayStation Now, because um, PlayStation Now originally came out as solely a cloud service in 2015. Yet, in my opinion, that hasn't been marketed very well at all, because I, I think a lot of people, especially in the earlier days, just completely dismissed it, especially for the price it cost, actually. Um, I read about two or three days ago that it was actually due to the advent of Game Pass only being 10.99 that the PlayStation Now price got dropped from about... £18 a month to £8.99 a month, I believe. Or it was something like that. It was a massive price drop to try, even try to make it competitive, which I did find interesting. But the the level of games which are on the server, or the, the types of games, I guess, uh, well, they're very hit and miss, in my opinion. You've got a lot of you know JRPGs and those kind of titles. So if you're a big fan of those, then you're going to love life there because there's all sorts. But I know there's also been a lot of debate on Sony's side about 
Sony's seemingly lack of um, preservation of their legacy of titles. Um, I know it's easy for a lot of people to say that who cares about old titles? We don't, you know, we don't want to play them. We're not interested. They've kind of had their day. But I know there's also a lot of, you know, even indie indie developers. I mean, going back to PSX graphics seems to be a new aesthetic that's coming coming out in the indie sphere. Um, and indie developers are pulling off the look very well. So I do wonder if Sony to compete with something like Game Pass and for them to be aggressive would be mainly, to, you know, to try to support your legacy on this cloud platform. I, mean, I know their hardware architecture doesn't support it, which is unfortunate, um, outside of PS4, of course. But there's no reason, I can't see any logical reason why you can't emulate PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 3 via the cloud. I mean, there are PS2 and PS3 titles on the uh, PS Now service. In fact, there's actually a lot of PS3 titles, but um, I know a load of people would love to see PlayStation 1 stuff on there, myself included, actually. So if anyone needs to be aggressive, I think Sony should be aggressive. Maybe not aggressive, but I think they need to be a bit more upfront and forthcoming about what they should be doing, in my opinion, <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, it, it does make sense. No, it does make sense. And perhaps we'll come to you with this then, Scott, because obviously, you know, we, we know Microsoft have the bank balance. They've got very, they've got very, very deep pockets. Um, we know this. And, and to the extent where they can actually um, just, just you know, purely do stuff that Sony physically or, you know, financially can't do. Um, and they're actually exercising that muscle. Uh, and like I say, you know, from an Xbox fan perspective, that's a great thing. But actually, in the landscape of gaming, are they are they actually crushing, you know, that that aspect of Sony uh, and actually, you know, um, making it um, almost impossible to to even try and compete with Game Pass to a certain degree? And, and if that's the case, then I, I'm not convinced that's a healthy thing because I think one of the things that came out of the Discord discussion is that. You know, not so much Nintendo, but but Sony and Microsoft find themselves in this sort of symbiosis of where they kind of need each other, really, to be able to to push and, and innovate like that. And it's nearly always the underdog that, that innovates. But at the moment, Microsoft are being so aggressive around that. Just, you know, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, for Sony to keep up in, in terms of financials anyway. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think the, the financial side of things is obviously one aspect of it where you know, Sony won't unfortunately be able to to compete with with Xbox or more specifically Microsoft. They just don't have, um, well, the backing of a trillion dollar company. Not Sony's big, but it's 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 not that big. But I think in, in terms of Game Pass, I think obviously, so Microsoft are getting a lot of good press now. Um, Sony are maybe not getting an awful lot of good press. You know, some of the recent things with PS Now, PS Plus. Um, the most recent news about uh, that came up from Jason Jason Schreier fairly recently, yeah. but I don't think it would take an awful lot for Sony to to catch up. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think yeah, fair enough. You no, know, they just need to have the appetite. Appetite's not the right word. They've obviously got the appetite to to make money, and they've obviously got appetite to 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 make it successful. What Microsoft are doing with their aggression, in my opinion, is absolutely good for for the industry. You know, competition is good for us as as consumers and that's what it comes down to in a world where playstation doesn't have microsoft um being as as aggressive as they are is not a good world for us as gamers and and consumers of, of of games because well maybe as we've seen already a little bit that would may lead to things like um complacency and maybe there's a little element of that with um jason's report and recently 
and Microsoft are pushing and pushing and pushing, but they're still not bigger than Sony in the gaming landscape just just yet. Um, now, in my opinion, if Sony came out with a Game Pass equivalent, where it was all first party games day and date, um, whether it be in PS Now or, or maybe a, a third um, service that they offer, I think that instantly would potentially, I know obviously Microsoft have would state they've got 300 games, but PS Now, so let's say they use PS Now, they've got 800 games or something in there at the moment. Now let's say they came out with an announcement on Monday that said, right, PS Now has 800 games. It's also got all of our PS4 and PS5 first party games in there available to download. Um, and any future games will go in there day one. So Last of Us 2, uh, Spider-Man, Demon Souls, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, they're all coming to PS now, day and day. I think that would be bloody massive, and I think Microsoft would start, excuse my language, but shitting themselves if, if Sony did that, because the one thing that Sony have that Microsoft don't currently, in my opinion, is a track record in and uh, releasing quality first-party AAA games. That's the bit that Mike, that's the last piece of Microsoft's puzzle, in my opinion, yeah. that there's, Sony have got. Yeah, that's still yet to be yeah fulfilled. I agree. Yeah, and if Sony countered with that announcement, which it doesn't sound like they're going to do because, I mean, they've spoken about how it's maybe not sustainable for them. I mean, that might change in the future, admittedly. We've, we've spoken about that recently. But the day that that happens, you know, that's going to be great for us as xbox consumers as well because microsoft are going to have to get even more aggressive to make sure that their service is at least equal if not better than whatever playstation offer and i think that's basically what they do in the moment that's the whole point in the bethesda acquisition they want to make sure that their services are where you can play first party well exclusive games as, but if that's as, the case then, scott and i do agree i, I do agree but the, but the trouble is with sony and they are doing some very peculiar moves at the moment and, and perhaps they'll, yeah. they'll prove me wrong but you know what why haven't they put mlb um you know the show 21 straight onto um ps now then uh you know what why would they hold back from that seeing as game pass is doing that 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 seems you know a seems a very point. simple fix that that they could implement straight away almost um and they just don't seem to be so I think I think the the answer is actually fairly straightforward. Flap, and the answer is Game Pass has eighteen million plus subscribers. PS Now has two million plus subscribers. I believe the last time they announced it was maybe two million. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Chat, by the way, I, I think that's how I remember it. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. They release it in PS Plus. They've only got a potential user base of two million. They release it in Game Pass. They've got instantly uh, a, a user base of twenty plus million, more more likely at, at this stage. So I think that's what it comes down to. But also, Microsoft made the commitment a long time ago that they were going to put all their eggs in a Game Pass sized basket, and Sony aren't ready to make that commitment at, at this point. And I imagine the reason is purely financial. <laughs> you know, I always have this sort of image in my head of just. Jim Ryan looking at a spreadsheet that shows the countless millions and millions of dollars that they make from game sales. And at this point, the only thing I can think is those figures just don't add up where it makes sense for them to be putting these games in these types of services because that's $70 that in theory they're losing out on for each person that doesn't buy MLB because they're subscribing to to PS to PS now and they seem to be more focused on those sort of one-off sales rather than on the services side of things and where Microsoft seems to be on 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 the opposite side. 
Yeah, but I guess the bigger picture is if you, you know, I, I guess that's that makes sense for, for people that um, <clears throat> only have a PlayStation 5, but for people that do have multiple consoles, then, you know, Sony are missing out on that $70 from those people yep. because it's on Game Pass. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if it quite stacks up, but I'm sure it does. You know, I'm like I say, I'm sure they've done the numbers. Lots of people here in the chat saying, you know, it's all about the money and stuff, but, you know, Sony aren't, aren't broke. Um, Luke, um, do, do you think it's healthy for sort of Microsoft to start swinging their, their financial clout around? Um, is that bad for gaming in general in the long run if it goes too far? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think it's uh, it's it's very healthy for competition. Um, it's something that, look, let's be honest, Microsoft or at least Xbox really needed to do that. Um, they came into this generation with an astonishingly small first-party collective, um, essentially boiling down to what Mojang, uh, Coalition, Three Four Three, and Turn Ten. I think that was pretty much it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, and all of those focusing on core franchises, um, and they needed to to change that. Um, and you know, it was through this kind of transformation into you know focusing on their gaming division as as more of a a service center than you know kind of platform agnostic to some extent uh, that they you know that they they've now done that, and it's not bad for the industry at all that they've done that is only it's only going to benefit it because you know um as people have said and i totally agree with with pretty much everything that scott says that you know it, it, it microsoft were not in a particularly good place and that kind of forced them you know that they, they really got quite hammered by sony at the start of last gen and, and all through it essentially um and that forced them to adopt you know this this way that you know that their way. I think Chisno Elite said, you know, and I totally agree, which is that they've much like Nintendo, right? Microsoft have found their own way, and um, and it works. And but to you know, you know, you need first parties to to fund that and to to keep people invested in it. And uh, for Microsoft, it wasn't. It's going to be really difficult and to to grow. It was always it was always going to be impossible to grow their current team, so the ones that they came into last gen with. Because, um, you know, they were already pretty big, but they were just kind of focused on these specific platform, uh, specific um, titles, and they needed to expand, and they needed to expand aggressively, and that's only good for us, because it means, first of all, that you have lots of talented developers, lots of talented studios making games with, you know, not unlimited funding, because no, nobody has unlimited funding, but, you know, with... with um, incredibly comfortable budgets, uh, et cetera, and able to retain creative control about what they make. Um, <clears throat> and uh, if you didn't, you would end up with, you know, a situation where Microsoft may have perhaps not wanted to exit the gaming space, but really toned down their focus on it. Uh, and, yeah. and what's happened is you, you've had the, um, you've had the other side of that. So, um, you know, we can all see what happens when uh, platform holders become uh, complacent or, or or don't you know react or give people what they want and i mean you know we had the exact same thing two generations ago where sony came out with a lot of tone deaf decisions uh, for the playstation free yeah you know and it cost them that generation greatly i mean they ended up just about by the end of it or just after it you know being the number one uh console seller uh, apart from the wii um 
<clears throat> but uh, you know, it, it took it took that kind of you know for Sony that kind of battering mm. for them to come back with arguably you know their greatest generation yet in the PlayStation Four, right? So, um, and and it's the same with Microsoft this time, and and the yeah. the only way to countenance that kind of that kind of hit that they've had is to sometimes spend money. I mean, you have to spend money, you know. So Sony are doing it now in a different way where, you know, they're going out trying to get Forspoken and, you know, Final Fantasy 16 and, you know, the timed exclusive deals for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Like all of these things are trying, are them recognizing that they need to remain competitive and but, but, whether they... But, but that, 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 that is absolutely the crux of my point, though, Luke, because I guess, you mm-hmm. know, it's all very well having your first-party studios. And, and let's, for argument's sake, let's say Xbox and Sony's first-party studios are, are, are what they are. Um, the, you know, the real difference, uh, other than the first-party studios, you know, it, it could come down to the third-party studios and going nabbing a, a game on your system made by a third-party studio, so it's not on the other platform, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Um, I guess my point is, obviously, Microsoft have a much larger bank balance to be able to do that with, if you see what I'm saying. So does that instantly put Sony at a disadvantage, do you think? Because, you know, um, they were both in discussions around having Starfield. Um, Sony wanted it as an exclusive, and and Microsoft went and bought Bethesda. You see the difference in scale. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, assuming that's true, assuming that they both you know wanted that then yeah but but equally you know what kind of similar deals apart from say uh mlb which is you know on game pass right or coming to game pass you know sony have gone out this gen and they've locked down exclusivity for final fantasy 16 which for two years at least uh, which no doubt will have cost a substantive amount of money um forespoken you know again would have cost a lot of money one year time deals for Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop would have cost a lot yeah. of money. Kina, I don't Kina think really? my uh, Kina. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that some money exchanged hands to keep that off. You know, mm-hmm. probably not that great an amount compared to the others. But I don't think really Microsoft has done anything in terms of locking down a, a third party or second party kind of game to that extent yet. And I think there was a report. Um, I think even maybe Jason Schreier talked about it way back when at the start of this gen, which was that it's not as if Microsoft weren't willing to do that. And he'd heard that Microsoft were going out trying to court those kind of deals. But funnily enough, um, and and I'm I'm almost certain this is correct, um, he said that Microsoft just weren't willing to pay the amount of money that was being banded around for this sort of stuff. In fact, it might have been Imran Khan from Game Informer who's quite reliable. Well, they've done and a couple, not... haven't they? I mean, they've, they did the Medium and I guess Crossfire X. I mean, there are a few out there. There are a few, yeah. I wouldn't say any, you know, if you take the measure, let's take the yardstick as Final Fantasy 16, which is a yeah, huge that's, triple A. Yeah, 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 not, yeah, nothing on that side. So, yeah. and that's not because Microsoft don't have the money to do. It. I mean, clearly they have, you know, as, a, as an, uh, an entity, they have more, they have more cash than Sony does. They can afford to, to go and do this sort of stuff, but they just didn't want to. And I suspect part of that reason is because, you know, that they wanted to focus on their first party and, and bolstering that. You know, that's the weakness for Microsoft. It has been for, for a generation um and you know get that sorted first and then you can go out and look to do these aggressive deals right and but that's and a strange they, thing have... but, but we discussed this on last week's show isn't it in the absence of these big first party titles come from microsoft i'm surprised they haven't gone out and nabbed some of these third party exclusivity deals just <laughs> just to sort of bridge the gap almost yeah that, that we know of i mean they, mm. they may have done something uh like that you know in the mm. background but um you know they haven't announced that sort of stuff yet. So, um, 
you know, I, it, it, I mean, either way, you know, if if you're a, if you're a, particularly if you're a multi-platform gamer and you see what Microsoft are doing and you see what Sony are doing, not in terms of you know that let's forget about the the fact they don't have a Game Pass equivalent at the moment, etc. But in terms of attractive content for for that platform, if you own that platform, right? You know, they're both they're both being pretty aggressive with what they do. Hmm. You know, they're both spending money to 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 get you into their their ecosystem, whether that's, you know, the broad one that Microsoft have or the more kind of, you know, PlayStation centric one that Sony have. So, and it only benefits us at the end of the day and, and Microsoft doing Game Pass ultimately, you know, will put different kinds of pressures on Microsoft and on Sony, sorry, to, to, um, to do different things. Now, whether they do day and day kind of PS now sort of stuff is a different matter, but certainly, you know, it's, it is it is going to push them to do things like you know bigger games on PlayStation Plus and you know the PS Plus collection and all that sort of stuff, which yeah. for Sony is quite a big deal because they don't usually you know they're not usually that generous, right? So, so even that they don't is, need to is be, quite... do they? It's going to be interesting for Sony to get a bloodied nose and to be the underdog for once, just to see what their response is to that and how they're going to innovate themselves out of that situation, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean, I think. Yeah, the underdog in terms of like the the Game Pass style service, right? And and ad- adopting that, um, I think Sony are fine. Uh, mm. You know, <laughs> this generation, I don't think they're going to struggle at all. But well, you say so, that. I mean, they they nearly quit after the PS3 era, and obviously Xbox nearly quit after the Xbox One. You know what I mean? The, you know, it doesn't take much to rock the boat. Yeah, things can change, but I think I think you know they. Um, I think both platform holders are in a position now where they're where they're pretty comfortable with the direction they're heading probably microsoft more than sony i think microsoft yeah. are, are clear that mm-hmm. they're going to be a service you know a, a service company and, and their gaming is going to be service-based and that's what they're going to do from now on you'll never see a, a role reversal of that i think no. sony are in this kind of position where they've got no i don't think they have any compelling reason right now to adopt that approach because their games sell extre- extremely well uh, they make a lot of money from them. Uh, they make an inordinate amount of money from PlayStation Plus subscriptions. Um, <clears throat> and, um, you know, the sooner the semiconductor shortage is over and the sooner they get consoles into people's hands, you know, they'll be doing even better. Um, but there may come a day, you know, later in the generation where that starts to fall away for Sony. I, I doubt it, yeah. but it's possible. You know, as as nobody would have expected, the, I, I certainly didn't expect the 360 to be the runaway success that it was coming from Xbox, right? Which was yeah. kind of, it was successful, but not not massively so because it was their first entrance into the market. So, um, you know, things things can change, and and you know, competition through how Microsoft are doing it through one the service, but also you know just bolstering their first party, you know, getting people to invest in their in their ecosystem it doesn't just benefit that ecosystem; it benefits everybody else because it means that Sony. And Nintendo, to some lesser extent, have to have to respond in some way. They have to do something to make their ecosystem more attractive, whether that's through a new service or exclusive deals for games on their platform, or bolstering their own first parties. You know, which mm. which uh, they've all done, right? They've all done in the last six months. Even Nintendo, you know, bought a developer. So, um, I think it's great for everyone. Yeah, no, I think that the, the gaming media and press have got a lot of influence over people more so than perhaps a lot of people would perhaps either admit or realize particularly this sort of um the mid-tier of gamers you know the, the casuals and i think that's certainly what damaged the xbox one in that in that era and, I, and i'm just witnessing i don't know if anyone else is seeing it on youtube but there's lots of negative press around sony at the moment and to be fair to sony you know i think people are assuming they're being arrogant where 
actually what they're being is just silent at the moment. I think they're doing this thing where they're waiting for Microsoft to perhaps make a mistake or or have to perhaps increase the price of Game Pass or something, and then Sony will claim sort of you know a, a, a mild victory over that perhaps that they're playing the quiet game at the moment. Pucks, I'm conscious we've got lots of chat to get through. The chat's been uh, fantastic on this one. Where are we with the chat? Yes, I've got I've got a lot of stuff to go Sorry. through again. <laughs> Timestamps a bit backwards, but That's fine. they're all still relevant to be fair. So uh, I'll try to bring them back on point. Uh, I got one here from uh, Tuka and Gula who says Microsoft's definitely changing the landscape in a positive way. Think about the positives to developers, developers who would have otherwise struggled with marketing and developmental costs. I think Game Pass. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Shizu Elite says, unfortunately, PS Now just feels like an afterthought to me. If they made it a priority, it could be great. Uh, one here from Dragonwolf who says, Discord link doesn't open to the server. Uh, we might have to correct that, just to bear in mind. Oh, that's interesting. We, we, might have, we might have to refresh the link there. Thanks, yes, thanks for that, Dragonwolf. The, we'll the get that sorted. Time out. Yep, no worries. Thank you. Uh, Wondering Dutch, uh, this is regarding PS Now. Wasn't worth it. More than half of the games on PS Now are streaming only, which is stuck at 720p. Uh, Warlocky 71 I think devs just want to be able to make games without too much interference from their publisher if they are bought out but there's always going to be indie games pushing innovation yeah, uh, Tuka Gura again says mid-tier development teams will now be able to creatively focus a lot more on their projects without worrying about certain costs uh, this will only serve to raise the bar on the quality of games I can't remember who posted it in our Discord channel now, but they they, they posted the Destin video that I actually kind of referenced in last um, week's podcast where he was sort of talking about the various um, financial deals on the table for, well, for all game devs, but probably particularly indie game devs because they probably struggle to raise the finances um, to a certain degree. And like I say, yeah, one of the deals on the table was that Microsoft, you know, would potentially pay their entire development costs in return for their game being on on the Game Pass. And obviously, if there's any in-game transactions, you know, microtransactions or anything like that, or if it was a timed exclusive, um, you know, any money they made on microtransactions or on, or on any other platform once the exclusivity deal was up would be the devs. So it's a win-win. Mm. It's, 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 a good, it's a good method. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll continue. Sorry, it's another one here from Wakanda Xbox News Today. Who um, says, uh, but Sony done the throw money to kill the comp with Sega. There is a double standard from people out there. Brackets not here regarding this community. Yeah, yeah bless him. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think Sega were there. I think Sega were as much their own problem as Sony were. I, I think Sony just put in the final nail, to be honest. I, I think Sega had many internal problems, um, particularly between the Japanese and the American division of, of Sega. Yeah. So that's a story in its own right. A mm. uh, comment here from uh, Tavish Hill. Uh, making oh, a Game Pass... Yes, welcome. I've not seen this name before, but I hope you're enjoying it. So uh, making a Game Pass competitor requires paying heaps of cash to pubs slash devs up front in addition to buying up exclusives left and right. Sony does not have the resources to do that. Yeah, that was kind um, of the, the essence of my question. But but you know, like yeah. Luke said, you know they they are going out and doing stuff. So it's not that they're, they're not doing anything, I guess. Yeah, and I think as Scott was saying as well regarding this one, it's not like Sony don't have like a a base to work off of. I mean, PS now I think is a good base they could leverage. It's just they just need to do it. I think is the uh, <laughs> the main thing, isn't it? Um, now one here from Tuka and Gula who says best part um, it is Microsoft. Sorry, I'll start again. 
best part, it is Microsoft aren't forcing devs to lock their games to Game Pass. This means devs will no longer be making a saving from partnering up with Game Pass, but have the option to bring the game to other platforms. Yeah. Uh, Music here says, if Sony put... Uh, this is regarding MLB. If Sony put it on PS Now, everyone that was going to buy it will sign up to play it for less. Those subs will stay over time, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, you know, if if they were to put MLB on uh, PS Now, then then you might find that they, you know, they increase their subs to it. I guess. Which, okay, it, it might not be the the, the short term game, but it could be the long term game, which which is obviously what Microsoft are playing. Yeah. Uh, again, continuing from that, actually, another one here from Warlocky seventy one, who says, if Sony did first party day and date. Do they have the infrastructure to pull this off for streaming, which is for the future? Microsoft have spent hundreds of billions on cloud infrastructure. Uh, yeah. No one here from what kind? Yep, what kind of Xbox news today? Uh, Sony seems to have that. Sony seems to have that. I want it now mentality for cash, and maybe looking at a Sony Game Pass soon. But from the vibes, they are not, and this is damaging them to a degree. Yeah, there is there is uh, rumours that there is a Game Pass counter coming on, on the PlayStation platform. Be interesting to see what it is and what form that takes. I, I get the yeah, feeling definitely. it's nothing to do with play, uh, PS Now. I think it's going to be something new and in its own right. I, I think that's why they're not mm. pushing PS Now too strongly, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think that's because I, th- I think as we've all alluded to, you know, the kind of general uh, public opinion of what PS Now is. I think you know, mm. I don't think there's much marketing which could save the image of it. I suppose is a good way to word it. So. What do you do rather than rebrand it or make something new? Um, another one here, sorry, from Warlocky71. I think I think Sony have based their business model on selling consoles to sell games. This is starting to change, though, so it means their plans need to change, but it may take a while. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another one here from the Indie Gamer who says, there's probs a deal that says it can't go to, again, regarding MLB, there's yeah. probs a deal that says it can't go into another subscription service that, for a period of time. A, that would be a slap, wasn't it, if there, was a, if there was an exclusivity deal for it to come onto a service. Ouch. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Tukangula has actually posted some stats regarding PS Now versus Game Pass. Uh, PlayStation or PS Now user base is about 2.2 million against Microsoft Game Pass, which is obviously 18 plus million. Hmm. Uh, Elite here says, I cannot stand what Sony are doing with the timed exclusive BS and they've ruined Spider-Man for me. Spider-Man and Final Fantasy were multi-platform for years. Not now, but Xbox does with Tomb Raider and they get called out for it. The double standard is ridiculous. Uh, and the final one I've got here currently is, although I have seen this answered in the chat or responded to in the chat uh, from Dragon Wolf, who says, "Will Sony ever become a dev just like Sega?" Um, but again, <laughs> as, as, as people have said in the chat about this before, you answer. Sorry, um, you know, PlayStation is Sony's biggest business now in terms of where the money comes from, isn't it? So I personally don't see that happening. But uh, what's your take on that? Well, that was a question that was asked on the Game on uh, Game on Daily. Um, podcast, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I think that's quite a good question, actually. Um, I think King David answered it. I don't think I don't think people think that's obviously going to happen. But if Sony ever wanted to pull out the market, they they could do that. I mean, it is an option they wanted to do. But the, uh, there's absolutely no reason for them to do that at this moment in time, is there? Whatsoever, I I, I can't see it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I've just seen another comment from Jack Morph as well. Um, it kind of feeds on this one in a way. It says, uh, does Sony have enough studios to feed their own Game Pass? Um, I, mean, I mean, they did relatively recently form their own PlayStation studios, didn't they? 
um, with a very Marvel-looking cinematic intro of it. Um, that's, that's just the name for the collection of their first-party studios, isn't it? But I mean, the Japan yeah, studios had a had a restructure, and, and some people have. But Dragon, but Dragon Ball's question here, though, is you know, do they have enough under that banner oh. to form a, a substantial Game Pass equivalent? I guess had this had this been a year ago, we wouldn't even be asking this question. I guess we're only asking <laughs> this question <laughs> exactly. because of the Bethesda deal. If if I'm honest, because that's obviously significantly increased um, Microsoft's. Um, yeah, first party studio lineup. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. That's my last question. Yeah, that was uh, 10 minutes of chat. Thank you all very much. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Wow, the chat's been on fire tonight. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here. I think we're going to have to leave that topic there. We could probably talk about this one for, for a long time. I think most people probably agree that Xbox has changed the gaming landscape. Um, whether you agree whether that's a good thing long term or not, I guess that's a personal opinion and based on many, many different factors, some of which we've, we've covered tonight. But uh, let's, um, let's get on to topic three if we can can and it is quite an exciting one and it kind of feeds into to what we were talking about a second ago perhaps we'll come to you scott first if that's okay um kojima an xbox rumored to be in talks um kojima productions what do you think did you think there's something in these in these rumors because i think it was uh, jeff grubb from VentureBeat that, that mentioned it and he's, he's rarely wrong on these sort of things what's your take yeah it's, it's funny you started this topic with um with exciting um with you no know, comment that that's potentially exciting news, and uh, I'll start by saying I don't really care for Kojima games. Let me just get right. that out, out out in the open. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do have to make these admissions that I, I do fear is going <laughs> to cost me some credit a little bit. You know, I've, I've talked about my lack, my dislike of Red Dead, and no, things that's like fine. That. You're now, entitled to your opinion as much as anyone else's. Really do it for me, and if I'm being perfectly honest, Death Stranding looked like one of the most gaming boring games on the planet. But um, <laughs> I couldn't skip past that. But I, I think what, what I can say, though, is outside of sort of my love or, or lack thereof uh, for K- Kojima's games, um, you know, it can't be denied that he's kind of one of these few celebrity game developers. You know, he, he's his name carries weight that I think few other developers do, whether you like his games or not. And I can just see Indy calling me a fraud there. Um, I won't accept that from you, Indy. I remember you bought a pre-built PC, man. So you can... <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I can't deny that it would be a massive get for Microsoft. Um, you know, Kojima's name, like I say, it does carry weight and people will pay attention if they do find that Kojima's next game is exclusive to to the Xbox platform, which if rumors are to believe, uh, it, it may well be. And as you say, someone like Jeff Grubb, he's got a really good uh, track record and these sorts of things. So it's, um, it's difficult not to trust what he says a, a, a lot of times. Um, obviously, ultimately, it'll come down to, right, what is the game and, and is it any good ultimately? And if it is, then then fantastic. We, we've got another game and obviously um, Kojima gets to, gets the money to to publish that on, on Xbox and probably more specifically Game Pass. But I mean, personally, until I see the game, I'm not really going to get excited. But the biggest thing would be Kojima's association with Sony over the years, you know, going back to when Metal Gear was exclusive to the PlayStation. Obviously, um, Sony let Kojima Productions use the Deathmatch engine, which I believe is Gorilla's engine that they used for Horizon Zero Dawn, if I remember correctly. Um, so there's obviously a, a good relationship there, but it seems like this stems from uh, previous rumors of Kojima working with Google on uh, an exclusive Stadia game. I think Kojima has commented in the past on his sort of uh, appetite to create a cloud game. And obviously, if Google aren't that company, then the next best 
um, company to work with is probably Microsoft at, at this stage. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Obviously, this is this is probably four or five years down the line at this point. The one thing I will say about Death Stranding, even though I didn't particularly like the look of it, it looked stunning. And also the, the, the fact that he managed to get that out in such a short period of time is nothing more than astounding. I couldn't believe that that game came, came out when it did. Uh, but obviously, he wouldn't be able to use the Decima engine uh, so the question would be, would he use one of Microsoft's? Would he use Unreal with the help of the coalition? Could he potentially use EdTech um, now if, if he's going to be working with, with Microsoft? And uh, how does that impact the development of the game? But it's like this is some, somewhere off. So we'll probably have to have to wait and see. But it, it would be a massive, massive deal in our bubble, I think. Outside of our bubble, I'm not too sure if it, if it, if it would mean an awful lot until the game comes out. And obviously, if the game's good, then it means something. But until then, I think... Um, remains to be seen yeah no fair point I, I knew it was going to be divisive because you know kojima and i, I gotta be honest scott I, I think i'm of a similar opinion to be honest um mm-hmm. and perhaps we'll come to you next luke if that's all right a couple of things you know what was your take on the kojima deal do, do you think it's a good thing and exciting but but Stubbs has written in the comments actually um it will help get a foot in in asia and there's lots of rumors around you know we, we obviously with sony with what they're doing with their recent studios and stuff and people walking out and you know the the, the swingometer seems to be swinging towards microsoft even in in japan and, and the east asian markets you know do, do you think this sends out a good message to the japanese devs um that you know if, if kojima can deal with xbox then that's the place to be uh Yes, in that sense, I think it would would help um, with um, other Japanese developers because, as Scott has alluded to, Kojima's name carries you know <clears throat> significant weight, mm. and, and to my mind, for the reason because I absolutely love his games. But um, you know, uh, <clears throat> in that sense, it would help in um, Asian markets, but. Um, I think I saw some comments from some people like uh, to the effect of, oh, this will help kind of bolster, you know, Game Pass subscriptions and, you know, maybe console sales in those markets. And I actually think it wouldn't do that really at all because um, Kojima is a, Jap- you know, Kojima Productions, you know, Japanese developer, but Kojima's games are not traditional Japanese games. They are not Japanese influenced in terms of, you know, the kind of... Um, cultural backdrop to his games right he is an ardent fan of western films right and western projects and his games are western projects in all but name they do they sell their best in the west so um you know it's it's not the type of game you know whatever kojima is making next you can guarantee it is not going to be the type of game that will push people in those markets to go out and really support a service that it's on. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there will be some influence, right? But it's not going to be massive. Um, for me, I think it's a like on a on a selfish level. Um, the idea of Kojima working with Microsoft is is really exciting to me because he will no doubt have a pretty significant budget if they're publishing the game, uh, and the bigger the budget Kojima gets, the wilder. Uh, his games tend to get, and I just love that, right? You know, and Death Stranding definitely had quite a significant budget. So, so um, what, clean... what was your take on Death Stranding, just quickly? I loved it. It was my it was my game of the year up until I played Outer Wilds that year. Wow. Okay. But uh, but then you know, if you're a Kojima fan, you're probably gonna you're gonna love his games anyway, right? I don't think I've play, ever played a Kojima game I haven't enjoyed. Huge fan of the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, uh, and Death Stranding, Death Stranding is one of the weirdest received games I've ever seen. 
because actually in that year, if you look on Metacritic, it got more perfect scores than any other game on Metacritic that year. Um, wow. Yet it came out with a kind of, I think, below 80 uh, average because, uh, you know, some people just absolutely adored it and thought it was a masterpiece and some people just hated it, just thought it was utterly boring, you know, and, and if you play that game, it there's no in-between, I think, right? Um, it, it's either you will love it or you will not like it at all because it is such a... And and I think this is the thing why I love Death Stranding because it's it's such a risk taking game, right? It's a triple A game, but it takes all kinds of risks, and you don't see that often, right? In a yeah. in an industry which homogenizes how its games are, you know, you don't, you don't have to look at Ubisoft games, right? Uh, it, it there is nothing out there like Death Stranding um, in a, in the triple A space, um, and it, for that reason, it's more of a it's more of an indie game. It feels more like a, an indie game on a on a super high budget hmm. um, because it, it does take loads of risks, and it does things that other games don't. You know, it doesn't prioritize combat at all. It's it's about this kind of journey. It's you know managing your backpacks as you as you go along and walk across yeah, this landscape. It, it's you know it's bizarre, right? It's a bizarre game. It's got a bizarre story. Um, uh, but it to me it was wonderful. Um, and uh, I really hope they update it for for like PS5 or uh, I should probably just buy it on PC, but I'm generally averse to to buying it again. So we'll see. But um, so do you think it's yeah, a status it, symbol for for Xbox to have Kojima? Yeah, right definitely, there? definitely. I think that's uh, to be honest. I I have a suspicion that Phil is probably just a huge Kojima fan. Yeah, and I think he probably heard that this. You know, maybe he'd heard that look, Sony aren't going to be funding Kojima's next game. He's looking for a partner, perhaps, you know, he's got these ideas. And I think as soon as Phil probably heard that, he was one of the first in the queue. And, you know, Jeff Grubb's super reliable, so I'm pretty sure yeah. whatever he says is, is, is accurate here. So um, so I think, you know, he, he, he would have gone out and said, look, you know, we want to bring you in to as many people as possible on Game Pass. Um, you know, we will give you a budget for it. Uh, and Kojima probably looked at that, you know, Kojima Productions is an independent studio, right? I'm sure they've you've got costs to keep running, but ultimately they're all, you know, that the, their success and their continued existence is is predicated on getting publishing partners. Um, well, apparently their the, the, the studios are incredibly expensive. I think they didn't have a seven-story skyscraper and they're, they had a, a dedicated room just for their Nerf guns and things like that. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not sure, but certainly if you look at um certainly the Kojima Productions itself have, have um have grown a lot, right? They've hired quite a lot of developers recently as well. So um, you know, they're ramping up their production and mm. uh, and, and the thing is as alluded to, Kojima's games are a high budget. I don't think he'd have it any other way. You know, he's not gonna do stuff on a on a on a whim on on something um to scrape by on. You know, he needs he needs funding to to get what he wants. So um, I think it's a great, you know, it's a great deal. I, to be honest, it wouldn't matter who was funding it, whether it, even if it was Stadia, even if Stadia, Stadia were actually funding yeah. Kojima's game and it was exclusive to that platform, I would go out and I would get some kind of Stadia capability to be able to play it. That's how much I love his games. But um, to me, it's just exciting that s someone, you know, someone has, has and, and someone has, uh, you know, obviously as wealthy as Microsoft has, has probably, uh, it's all rumours, but I'm sure it's, it's happening. Has said, you know, we'll we'll fund your game and and we'll publish it. It'll be on Game Pass. Um, you know, they'll, you know, obviously they'll have a PC version. Uh, that was one of the prerequisites for yes. the Death Stranding deal. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's great for Microsoft. I think it's great for Kojima, and more importantly, it's great for me because I love Kojima. <laughs> so, <laughs> so speaking, yeah. 
I yep. want to Luke's points there actually, cool. and I think Luke just made a really really interesting comment there. Um, he he just said regardless of where Kojima's game was going to be, he yeah. would go out and he would find a way yeah. of playing, even that, even if that meant taking out a new subscription and getting new hardware for, for Stadia. Now, I guess the question for the panel and obviously the chat as well, are there any other developers, like not studios, but an individual developer that has that appeal to gamers because while i don't hold that same that same opinion of kojima in his games there are people that have um that that opinion on kojima himself his studio is named after himself for god's sake Um, there are very few developers like that currently in the industry in, in in my opinion and i think that's what makes this potentially a big deal regardless of how you feel about his games that alone that one comment alone sort of um highlights how this could be a big deal for for, for microsoft because there may be a small portion of people but there will be other people like luke who think like that um and obviously everything else that that comes with it just from a positive pr perspective it's it's good because kojima and xbox is good for xbox kind of thing regardless of whether you like the game or not and even if the game turns out to be fairly average it's still kojima's game exclusive to 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 xbox and i think yeah that that that's that's a big deal and it's a really interesting comment from from luke when you say that because i would ask you yeah is there any other individual developer that you would say that same thing about uh, for me, no. As in, like you know, an individual, i.e., Hideo Kojima. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. Um, I don't. I don't think there is. I really yeah. don't think there is. There isn't for me. <laughs> so mm. Key Hall's put Peter Molyneux back in the day. I'm guessing. Oh no, more. stay away from Peter Molyneux. Stay well, guessing that's yeah. But is, is that is that Peter Molyneux or is that a fable thing? I'm guessing. Mm. Mm. But you know what? Is the one good? for me, and, it, and it's not an individual, but Bethesda. I love Bethesda games. I love the Elder Scroll games and the Fallout games. If they were exclusive to PlayStation Five, I would probably go and buy a PlayStation Five to play those. Genuinely, yeah. Mm. But yeah. I guess that's Bethesda, not necessarily. Yeah, it's not, it's not Todd Howard. You know, yeah. No, I guess yeah, it is. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, if Todd Howard turned out and said. I, I guess if Todd Howard went independent, he left Bethesda and made his own. That he would be a big name, I guess, in in the indie space. And you know, someone like you know, that's been the news recently is uh, Jade Raymond. Um, but on a much smaller level, her name carried a little bit of weight. But she hasn't released anything in 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 a long time. And obviously, she was part of a much bigger sort of development team at, at Ubisoft in, in a year. So there's just not very many of those sort of like I say, celebrity. Like Hollywood game developers the, these no. days, and it, Ken, Ken Levine, like, I mean, what's Kevin Levine this, up to nowadays? Where's he gone? He's, uh, but he's got his own uh, uh, studio. He's building something. Bioshock. No, no. Uh, Bioshock's being developed by Two K, but uh, a separate studio. Oh, okay. uh, Ken Levine is doing apparently a, a maybe a double A. AAA potentially game, but it's probably going to be more indie sensibilities compared to, to Bioshock. Um, I actually thought of one other developer that I would that that I, I do say that for in the same way as Kojima, and but it's nowhere near as a big name. But it's um, Fumito Ueda, who um, is was the creative director on Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, Last Guardian, etc. That's the only other person that I think I'd, I'd follow them anywhere to get a game. Yeah, but it's rare. Pucks, it's super rare, right? Pucks, you were going to say something. Yeah, so this one's a bit left field, but my, I think my only comment to that would be, um, I think Nintendo in general fits that category well. And for me specifically, um, Eji Aonuma, who is the the main creative director of The Legend of Zelda and has been for the last 20-odd years, 
I mean, that is my number one franchise of all time. I've played all the titles and I'll always jump to play them as soon as I can. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of people that actually really like those Nintendo titles as well, especially. But, and but, but I, I come with the guys. Go on, sorry. Let, well, let's put this as an example. And not that this would happen in a million years. I'm not suggesting it would. But let's say Luna, you know, exclusively had those games. Would that be enough for you to subscribe to Luna to, to, to play those games then? If they exclusively had Legend of Zelda titles that I couldn't play anywhere else, yeah. 100% I would yeah, right. subscribe to at least finish the games. Right. Not necessarily to maintain a subscription forever, but I would 100% sign up just to play them. Hmm. And I think there might be a lot of people in that Nintendo camp as well. I'd like to believe so, at least. But yeah. for me, they're the only other people I can... Or rather, the specific developers of those key franchises in Nintendo, I think, are the only other ones outside of what the panel have already said that I think people would jump to, at least for me. So yeah. what's, what's your take on Kojima then, Pucks? Are you a Kojima fan? Do you think this is good for Xbox? Uh, I'm kind of similar to Scott here. I mean, not to say that I'm not a fan, but I just... I haven't really just ever given myself the time to play any of the previous titles, you know, mainly like Metal Gear Solid or the old Silent Hills and whatever else. Um, and regarding Death Stranding, again, it's a game which I never... I always found it strange and a bit weird. Um, That's I, good I, I, did, I, yeah, I know that exactly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have much time to kind of play the game at the time anyway, um, but the very limited media I did read about it kind of just summed up to being... It's a glorified walking sim, and I yeah, kind of media, saw those lines. I yeah, kind of saw really, those lines and thought, "Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm happy to give this a miss." <laughs> yeah, no, they really but, did do that some damage, didn't they? The media. But given what Luke's just said, saying it was like his game of the year mm. until Outer Wilds, then I, I'm missing something. So at some point, I may well have to go back and see if I can play it. Well, I, um, I guess for me, as someone who hasn't played it, you know, the 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 the, the visuals are stunning, but it it just looks weird to play. So, you know, I, I have no leg to stand on when it comes to an opinion. It just seems weird to me. But but you know, there's been a few people in the chat, obviously yourself, Luke, saying you know, despite its weirdness, it's a brilliant game, and I, I just I, don't think you pick yeah. up on that seeing the visuals, do you? I can't think of anything to hand specifically, but I know there are a lot of other titles out there which kind of do also fall into that category of being a bit weird but people mm. love them i mean this is a bit old school but do you remember like the old papa the rapper games on the playstation yeah. one like they were weird but people loved them and it did sell <laughs> yeah so i know luke was gonna say something sorry no no I, I was just agreeing uh yeah even stuff like if you think about stuff like jet set radio right uh super weird premise of a game but super popular you know and mm. some people really hated it right but other people Loved it, so a different stroke for the different folks. Kill Hall, I can live with weird or strange, but not stupidly weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take no, you. No, that, you. That's, that's Kojima, pretty much. Um, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, that's really cool. I kind of uh, kind of knew this might be a little bit divisive around Kojima and stuff, because, um, yeah. And I was kind of interested to see if, you know, if that might sucker in some more sort of Japanese developers and stuff, because I know Xbox have a very strong um, anchoring for more um, Japanese developers on board to obviously help capture that market. And uh, hmm, although it's not going to, you know, be everyone's cup of tea it's certainly a very divisive and people sort of it's one of those marmite kind of uh, developers i guess um let's just do move on to another quick one then what what do we make on playstation's decision to let naughty dog carry out the remake of uh, the last of us what, what do we make of that guys uh, scott um i think you um i think you actually ran with the story didn't you you, you posted it in the discord channel um yeah what do you make of this because it does seem like playstation are doubling down on their big first party titles 
Yeah, I think uh, I guess maybe it's probably worth mentioning that this this story, as we've uh, alluded to a little bit earlier in the in the conversation, was brought up by uh, Jason Schreier earlier earlier this week. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to check out the article, I would highly recommend you do because it is a fascinating insight into sort of um, the I guess the ongoings behind the scenes at, at Sony. And I, I think maybe as a uh, another talk for another time. Um, it does offer sort of a fascinating insight into the different approaches that both Microsoft and, and Sony have. But essentially, it, it seems to boil down to the fact that Sony really just want to focus on um, just these big budget titles and, and just getting out, you know, the likes of God of War, the likes of The Last of Us, the likes of Uncharted and things things like that. Now, the, the Last of Us story is, is, is interesting because the the way it sort of seems to have, I guess, began is is fascinating because it was sort of a small group of developers that wanted to do it, that pitched it, who never got anywhere. And then Sony said, oh, well, you know, Naughty Dog, you go ahead and do it. And I, I, I do, I think The Last of Us really, it was, I mean, it's a game that's already been um, released on um, PlayStation. Yeah, it was a PlayStation 3, and then it got a remaster on PlayStation 4, and then it's going to be remade on PlayStation 5. And all that's going to happen within about, you know, eight or nine years, maybe 10 years. I don't think it's necessarily a game that needs a, 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 yeah, a remake at this point. But, and this kind of, it kind of all sort of wraps up in the same conversation we had earlier, Flap, in my opinion, around like um, PS Now and do, will Sony sort of follow Microsoft's lead? And, I think I tweeted about this at the time and, you know, whether it's the right or wrong decision from a gamer's perspective, the way Sony are going to look at that, they're going to, they're going to look at it and go, that's, this is going to sell like hotcakes. So why wouldn't they do it? You know, this is a known franchise that's getting a, um, an HBO adaptation fairly recently. You know, if they could tie the two together in some loose way, they could really capitalize in terms of sales. You know, The Last of Us Part 2 was a massive, massive success, both sort of financially as well as critically. Um, and maybe some people who played The Last of Us Part 2 or saw the success or, or that um, the reviews of The Last of Us Part Two, who didn't get around playing the first game, this is a really good opportunity to sort of almost resell that game. I kind of look at it in a similar way to how Nintendo approaches a lot of things. You know, Nintendo will resell you the game over and over and over again, and people buy and buy and buy those games without batting an eyelid. Um, and you know, if if it's going to sell, then Sony are going to are going to do it. Whether it's needed or not is is almost irrelevant because if it sells, then that kind of answers. Sony's question, like, yes, people want to play this game again in the, the highest fidelity that, that they can in the See, last I, of us part. I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. Uh, no, well, I don't disagree, and I'll, I will explain what I mean. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree with everything you've said, but I disagree whether it's a good strategy or not for Sony. That's the bit I disagree with. I, I yeah, completely I, I guess agree. I'm not saying it's a good or bad strategy. I think it's just they'll look at, they'll look at it and they'll go, will this make us money? And if the answer to that's yes, then then they'll green light but that's, it. Think... Yeah, but that's that's the part I think is, isn't necessarily a good strategy, and I'll explain why. Because mm. I, I, I was actually going to draw the comparison between Nintendo and Sony myself and, and Nintendo fans and Sony fans are very different people and you know Nintendo fans will go and keep buying the same thing over and over and over and, and that's what Nintendo do different that you know that is their sort of USP almost you know they really do um, <laughs> ring out every last drop of I don't know um, fun out of their games and, and you know resell them and the fans lap it up they absolutely love it and that's yep. absolutely fine I don't think Sony fans are of the same ilk as those diehard Nintendo fans that will buy something over and over and over again um, I think you're right I think it will make money but my point is will it 
be a see it's not sustainable is it this is the thing you yeah, can remake I, I a game and it will be a quick cash grab um and that's fine but but I would have thought Sony would be in a position where they don't just want a quick cash grab. Why don't they come out with a new IP or progress an existing IP or even something that's slightly older? How about an Uncharted remake? You know, for yeah. me, there's there's plenty of other games that they could have that they could have done this on. But also to to give that those duties to Naughty Dog themselves seems such a waste because they had um, Ben Studios that you know they could have worked on that and, and progressed that. It, it just seems a very peculiar decision. Um, Luke, we'll come to you if that's all right. What, what's your take on all of this um so i agree pretty much with scott uh on on all of that actually um i think um there's lots of different layers to this so i'll try and go through them you know kind of bit by bit but i think personally do i want to see last of us remake um i i I'll look. I'm in the category of that that Nintendo fan that will buy the same game over again, and uh, I, I would buy it. Right? I don't think there's an inherent need, from my own perspective, for a remake of that game because The Last of Us, to this day, especially if you pick up the PS4 version, right, it it still looks really nice. Um, you know, it's not it's not like uh, a Demon Souls where you know mm-hmm. there's a remake of Demon Souls because Demon Souls was even on the PS3 it was quite archaic you know in its visuals in its sound design etc and it's a complete transformation to the point where it's you know one of the best looking next gen games that there is out now you know and I can say that first time as someone who's experienced a lot of the next gen games um, it's not like that it's not the same scenario Last of Us to this day still plays really well it still looks good um, it has PS4 Pro support, so you get 4K60. Um, so, know, so why does it need a remaster? Yeah, so from that, from my perspective, I don't know why it needs a remaster. From Sony's perspective, I can see... Or a remake, sorry, yeah. Um, from Sony's perspective, I can see why, because as Scott alluded to, they have a TV show coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, they will no doubt uh, put a significant budget behind it so that it's up to the standards of The Last of Us Part Two, which is a, a phenomenal-looking yeah. game. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks incredible. Um and uh they will probably find a way to bundle that story together you know in terms of a you know kind of two for one kind of deal um perhaps you know this is sony to some extent we're talking about so who knows how much this will cost but so so i totally get that um uh, and i am one of those sad people that will very willingly go out and buy it because I've played The Last of Us, the first one, probably two or three times. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the franchise. Um, so there's no doubt that I'd buy it. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a waste of resources for Naughty Dog because I, I don't, because first of all, Naughty Dog are, are massive in terms of studio size. They're growing all the time. Uh, and also, you know, it's not like it's going to be the entire studio that's going to be on this, right? It will be a team within the studio, probably in connection with, with you know, other developers to some extent that will be building this. Um, and so, you know, Naughty Dog are clearly working on factions, you know, a separate standalone multiplayer thing from The Last of Us Part Two for PS5. I think that's quite obvious. I mean, they've already said that they're working on working on that essentially uh and no doubt they're working on you know they've probably got pre-production on either a new ip or a sequel to the last of us part two i suspect it's probably a new ip at this point um so you know they've got a lot of um 
irons in, in, in the fire, so to speak. Mm. Um, and I think that this won't take that many resources away from them. Um, you know, it, it is just, um, personally to me, it is just a bit weird because I do agree that, like, you could look at maybe a first Uncharted game, uh, which which was highlighted in that article. In fact, the, the, the team at uh, San Diego Studios that, you know, came up with this idea of branching out and becoming you know, more of a, a kind of a, a first party uh, developer for Sony in terms of the content they were producing. You know, they, they the first game that they apparently considered was Uncharted, but they found that it would just be too much work. It would be even yeah. more expensive than doing a lot because it would just require like changes to game design and, and, and stuff like that. Because if anybody's ever played the first Uncharted, which I have, yeah, it's, it's a decent game, but it's it's it has a lot of problems, right? It wasn't until Uncharted 2 where <laughs> Naughty Dog really got their groove going in terms of that franchise. You know what? You it know, wasn't until Uncharted 2 I realized all of the problems of the first one, to be honest. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I can I can totally see why they probably looked at that and then turned around and went, you know, that, you know what, well, that's going to take too long. It's not what, you know, Uncharted is a hugely successful franchise, but I think it's 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 even compared to The Last of Us, it's not as bankable a franchise as The Last of Us is because I think The Last of Us is just this kind of phenomenon, whereas Uncharted is a, is a huge seller and it's, it's a temple franchise for Sony, but not the same way or not quite the same level The Last of Us is. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird, isn't it? Like, I'm really conflicted by it all because I do, like, to some extent, I'm like, well, you could probably just save these resources for something brand new, but is that the thing that makes the most money for Sony? Maybe it's not. Right, yeah, but, is this, yeah, but, yeah, but what, what is this? You know, why are we... I know Sony's a business, and, you know, don't don't get me yeah. wrong. I appreciate they're all businesses and they're all here to make a buck. But um, the, the, there comes a point where you have to um, sort of innovate and experiment. And, you know, Sony have been great uh, uh, championing in this. And they seem to be a cash grab, in a cash grab sort of state at the moment. And that's the bit that kind of worries me because it's not sustainable, is it? Long term, it's not sustainable. And I do agree, you know, Sony have time on their hands. But if they're just after cash grabs all of a sudden, that that, that worries me because, you know, Sony have, were a company of innovation and, you know, giving smaller developers a chance and breathing space to do weird and crazy things like Rapper to rapper and all kinds of stuff like that. If we're in the sort of cash grab era, that worries me. If I'm honest, well, I think uh, again, it's a bit of a difficult one to answer because I think if you look at it from a standpoint of are they just cash grabbing, you know, doing remasters, remakes, then they've done some remasters and obviously they've done you know Demon Souls remake, which certainly I don't think you know never a cash grab. Uh, I think that was more of a passion project, right? Yeah, that was okay. a, that was a thing that. You know, uh, by all accounts, it sold very well. Um, but it was ne- it's Sony. I don't think Sony ever looked at that and went, "Oh yeah, that's gonna that's gonna make us tons and tons of money." Um, I think it was more trying to introduce players to that to that universe and and introduce players to that game in a in a more modern way. Um, Last of Us remake, you know, is clearly a bit of a cash grab, right? Because then it ties into trying to get people into the show and you know keep the its enduring popularity going. Um, and certainly, if you look at you know that article, and this is obviously a bigger topic, but you know they are looking to shift their development into at least their first party development into these bigger these bigger titles. But I think within that, this you know they're still doing new IP. 
you know, they're still expanding their first party studios. You know, Sony Santa Monica, by all accounts, have, have a new IP in development alongside God of War, um, at least from job listings, etc. Um, but they, I think it's clear they are being a lot more cautious about what they fund and how they fund it. And, you know, I don't think in their first party there's room or they don't feel there's room to to kind of give a load of these smaller kind of experimental titles much space and i suspect that what they're trying to do is is fill that outside of first party in terms of you know their second party stuff um and then third party exclusives and independent games etc i think that's what they feel and and i get i, I totally get that like for me like i i really don't like that sounds like great to me i don't, I don't want to like stand sony for doing this but like that's why i buy a playstation right I buy it for their first party. I buy it for these mm. big, you know, um, cinema-esque blockbuster releases. That's why I buy that console. And if they're putting more money into that and giving me more of that, then fantastic. So uh, that's that's what I want. And even though I don't particularly want a Last of Us remake, as in, you know, I'm not clamoring for it, of course, you know, I'm going to buy it. Of course I am. I'm a, you know, I'm a hopeless consumer, you know, <laughs> bound yeah. by having, yeah. to, having to go... Just like you know, I'll buy anything that Nintendo remake with with or remaster with minimum effort. Like you know, as Puxley said, right? You know, we all sit there. You know, I'm sure Pux did the same for stuff like um, the 3D collection, right? Where you look at that and you go, "You've really just put in like <laughs> yeah. the, the minimal effort for that." But of course, yeah. I'm going to buy it. Like you know, I'm going to buy that. So, um, like sunshine in 16 by nine. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Can't wait. You know, yeah. but, but I don't know why, but it just seems to work for, for Nintendo. Uh, and, and and I don't think any less of Nintendo for that. And to be honest, I don't think less of Sony. I, I don't think less of them. I just find it a peculiar strategy. But for Nintendo, yeah. because they, I think because their IP is so unique that it kind of works. Whereas, like I say, you know, Xbox and Sony or PlayStation find themselves in this symbiosis and they're very similar in lots of regards that it, that it feels like Nintendo's out on a limb and they can get away with it. That, but when Sony does it, it just feels like an odd move. But perhaps that's, perhaps that's unfair. Uh, Pux, did you, uh, did you play Last of Us? What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I didn't play The Last of Us Part 2. I played The Last of Us Remaster on PS4. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um... I appreciate everything that Luke said as well. Uh, I don't know what the sales numbers are like, but at least just from my perspective, I I appreciate that a lot of people love the story of The Last of Us and all of the different kind of, I don't know, political points it kind of hit, but, I but, guess, or just but, the the emotional story beats. But I but don't know whether or not... changes with a remake, does it? This is the difference, I guess, because just to be clear of what we are calling a remake versus a remaster, in my mind, a remake is a retelling of the original, which means that the overall story beats are going to be different. So are they, you know, is it is it like a weird plot or ploy to try and retell the story of The Last of Us to create a different outcome overall? I I don't know. But in my mind, when I hear the word remake, I'm thinking a retelling of the original, not just another uplift of, an already created remaster on PS4, if that makes well, sense. I thought a remake is they literally started again and, and remade the entire game from scratch. Perhaps Luke, Scott, chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was my take on remake. Whereas a yeah. remaster, I'm, I'm with is... you. I'm with I'm with you, Flap. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. I I, I do know where Pux is coming from though, because I think 
even the notion of what is a remake now has been changed by certain mm. games. So if you look yeah. at stuff like Final Fantasy VII Remake, that is a, a reimagine, you know, it follows many of the same plot points of, of the original, but it does it does retell the story. You know what I mean? Like it does it does change things and it does introduce new things to it. it not just, you know, take a complete overhaul of the type of game that was, you know, obviously mm. new visuals, et cetera. Uh, and then on the opposite spectrum, if you if you like, look at the basic remake, um, distinct from a remaster, right? Which I think we'll all agree is just yeah. is just the original game, but with kind of an uplift usually in resolution yeah. and or frame rate. Uh, you know, you've got something like um, like Demon Souls, which is you know all running on the original code of the game. It's been slightly tweaked to make it more modern, but other than that, it's the exact same story, exact same environments, everything else. But every asset has been remade. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with everyone oddly in that. <laughs> what do you call a remake now? Because there are different there are different types of how you do a remake. So um, so I I don't think, I don't think they would touch the story at all of The Last of Us. I don't I, I just don't think I think it's a perfect story as perfect story as you're going to get in that medium. So I don't think they would touch it. But okay. um, it it would be to me it would be more of a Demon Souls style remake. Well, let's put it to you, Impux. You know, let's assume they didn't change the story and it was you know next gen in all of its glory. Would you rebuy it? No. <laughs> right. And how <laughs> about if it, how about if the gone. story was slightly tweaked? It depends how much, I guess. I mean, mm. I loved it for the story, but I'm I don't think I'm as in love of it as Luke, for example. In that, I would 100% buy it again because it was a great game. I mean, by all means, even my my partner sat down with me and watched me play the whole thing. We both absolutely loved the story. It's like you know, an interactive film mm. with shooting elements, etc. But I don't know. I feel like I do kind of feel that something like Uncharted could have a second lease of life, but maybe not with Nathan Drake because I think the way the timing between Uncharted three and four, I think, was enough that you know. Uncharted 4, there was enough hype for it coming, and then I think it concluded the whole story of Nathan Drake brilliantly. I absolutely loved the whole franchise and the different kind of story beats that happened through there. And how, I mean, it kind of ends where you see, you know, Nathan Drake's, like, uh, kind of teenage daughter at this point in time. So I kind of feel like they could maybe reinvent Uncharted to maybe be a new character or, or continue the Nathan Drake saga via the daughter, for example. So I feel like maybe that could be a good thing to do instead. But going back to what you said about The Last of Us, um, as everyone's been saying in the chat and after everything I've read online as well, I do agree that I think it, it is too soon because, you know, we've only just wrapped up, you know, The Last of Us Part 2, which I've not played, but I've watched most of the playthrough, to be fair. And from what, again, it kind of, it ties up all most of the loose ends, if not all of them. I think a lot of people are satisfied with the ending, um, especially the emotional setting behind it. It was a very complicated story, um, very well told, but it was very complex in terms of the different uh, like emotional um, aspects and the points of view and understanding. It, you know what I mean? It was a lot of emotional um, kind of perspective takes on the same scenario, which I think was brilliantly told. I just kind of feel like it's... Why would you come off that to saying you're now going to release the first one again. I mean, is it just because everyone said that they love Joel so much and 
<laughs> didn't want what happened to him. No spoilers. Didn't want what happened to him in the last of part two to to be real. And maybe this is their way to <laughs> some form of redemption. I, I don't know. Um, there is a marketing angle, like you say. There is a TV series coming out, so I'm guessing this is to help promote that to a certain degree. Although there are plenty of other things they could have done, isn't there? That's a good point, actually, because uh, games like Ratchet and Clank, for example, I mean that had a remake back in uh, 2016 of the first game, but the remake was actually a tie-in with what was actually the Ratchet and Clank movie, I believe, came out at the time as well. So the cutscenes that are in the game were actually scenes from the movie, That's even though it was all 3D CGI, but hmm. they kind of went toe-to-toe. So yeah, maybe you're right there. Maybe it is just a way to tie in with the series, perhaps. But I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's too soon because, you know, movies and trying to get money that way aside, I mean, The Last of Us is a game at the end of the day and people absolutely adore it for what it is. Um, I just don't think I, think, I think it's too soon to to experiment with it at this stage. It, it feels like it is, doesn't it? Like you say, certainly on the back of Last of Us 2. And, you know, I, I'm guessing, you know, Game of the Year and stuff, you know, there's lots of hype around the, the, the franchise in general. But, yeah, it just seems like there's, you know, it, it does seem too soon. It just seems like there's other things they could be working on. But who, who, what do I know? I'm not Sony. I'm sure they've got a master plan that we're all blissfully unaware of and that it will all pan out fine in the end. But, um yeah, cash grab or not. Um, are we up I mean, to speed? Yeah. Oh, so I say, as Luke was saying as well, even with the same regards to Nintendo, um, how people get so angry and so vocal uh, negatively about buying remakes. But whilst these same people are holding their pitchforks and throwing explicit to everyone, they've got a pitchfork in one hand, but they're, exchange, they're exchanging their cash with the other one, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, people will buy it nonetheless, I no doubt. Yeah, no, I, I Sorry. have no doubt. That, yeah, and I we are no caught up with chat, by the way. Better. Oh, we are. Oh, cool. Excellent. Well, I think we're going to wrap the show up there then, gentlemen, if you don't mind. That's uh, wow. What a show this has been. Like I say, it's always the topics that you never think are going to sort of take off the ones that do. It's, it's um, yeah, it's been a very interesting time for, for gamers in general. And, you know, there's been lots of PlayStation news floating around. Not all of it positive, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Sony are keeping very silent. They've said virtually nothing, really. So, um, you know, it does leave speculation and assumptions, you know, to, to to run wild uh, in those sort of silences and you know we don't know the answers but we we're still free to speculate on those i think sony are in a good place um just makes me wonder what their long-term plan is and and when they're going to start showing that but uh mm, very interesting well thank you very much chat it's been fantastic we had some great chat going on tonight lots of people in the chat it's been fantastic um luke Steele, we'll go in order again thank you for being part of the show mate did you have a good time oh of course always <laughs> As always. So, you, know, you don't even have to ask that question. I always have a, I always have a great time, although I am sad it's not a bank holiday this time. Yes, uh, uh, that was so. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Although in the UK, we do have a couple of bank holidays coming up towards the end of the month, don't we? So uh, or the beginning yeah, of the next month. So, uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Um, we are going to try and get another competition going with a different podcast crew. Don't know who that's going to be. Possibly fun speculation if he's up for it or even boom. Don't know. Just need to approach some people and find out what the game's going to be and times and stuff like that. We really do enjoy those competitions. I like playing new games for the first time rogue company we played wandering dutch if you want to check that video out of uh, the gpg crew taking on the midweek mix-up um and fugly god bless him who stepped in at literally at the very last second i i, I contacted him and said because uh 
wandering Dutch's team were a man down at short notice and with about 15 minutes left to go before we went live I, I contacted Fugly and said um, do you fancy joining the team he's like yeah what game I said Rogue Company he said well I haven't got it I'll have to download it and, and thankfully he managed to download it in about 10 minutes and we were ready to go um, other than technical issues within the game but um, we had a great time go and check that out on the channel uh, one other thing before I carry on with the rest of the panel is obviously check out our Discord server as well I will try and get the invite sorted out thank you dragon wolf for letting us know about that i'm not sure what's happened there they do time out after a little while so i'll have to update that um and obviously like share and subscribe and spread the word if you can i'd be very much grateful puxley thank you very much um we've obviously done this on obs tonight and not via a stream yard um how have you found it pucks i think it's been very good actually i've really enjoyed this i was actually going to say to the chat as well uh by all means, please let us know what you think of this format. Um, first time we've done a stream for OBS. Uh, all the overlays you see on the screen are of our own kind of design, so to speak. It's a first pass. Uh, we like it so far, but we'd appreciate any feedback, uh, things that you like about this, what you don't like. We'll try and improve and be better for all of you. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I've really enjoyed this. I think it's been really good. I know there's a few little things we want to try and improve here and there that we've already spoken about, but I think this has been very successful. I'm, I'm, I think it's a good format to go forward for us. Yeah, no, completely agree. And OBS, A, it's free, but it gives you so much creative freedom. And like you said, Pax, this is the first pass, really. We, we we kind of threw this together, really. So this isn't how it's going to end up. We do have actually some rebranding coming later on in the year, actually. So um, mm. that will all be happening. But uh, uh, just, just to add before you move on as well, um, regarding the Rogue Company stream, uh, I just want to say to people that we streamed it on our GPT channel. So please check that out. But Wandering Dutch also did stream their perspective as well. So I'd like to encourage you all to check his stream out as well as our own if you'd like to see our both of our rogue company uh, skills. You know what? That's a very good point. I did mean to check that out, and I still haven't done that yet. I do want to see that. Um, I, I did watch it, actually. It, it's funny. Are they <laughs> swearing the about us? Are they swearing about uh, us? <laughs> well, I think there's a few players that, that uh, swear a bit. It's, it's entertaining. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'll have to watch that. Uh, Scott, again, thank you very much for being here, my friend. Um, we've all got our GPG mugs now as well. I meant to mention that earlier. So we're all uh, we're all in the mug gang. Um, <laughs> yeah. A few, a few select people have, have had mugs sent out to them as well in the chat. It was just a random pick. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you for being here, Scott. How have you found tonight's topics? Loved it. A couple of spicy topics, I felt, with the, yeah. um, with the second and third topics that we had there. So, uh, as always, loved it. Loved it. So, uh, th thank you very much. And obviously, thank you very much to, to everyone in chat. There was a lot a lot of chat going, going on today on, on, on the topics, which is always fantastic to see. So, uh, And with OBS, it seems everything has gone relatively smoothly. Don't, yes, I don't think we've had any, any hiccups whatsoever. So... No. Um, yeah, well, well done on that, mate. Because I know it was sort of a, a late decision to switch across, yeah. but it all seems to have gone swimmingly. That's a good point. Actually, this morning we were going to do it via Streamyard, and then by sort of midday, it's like actually I think I'll give OBS a go. So here we are. And then, like you say, it's all gone flawlessly so far. The show isn't over just yet, but um, you know, thank you very much, anyone. Like Puck said, we will um, gratefully receive any feedback on quality of the stream, audio levels, anything like that. Um, just give us some some heads up whether you like it, whether you didn't, and uh, we'll, we'll take that all on board. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Thank you very much, panel. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, um, yeah, safe gaming, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one.